Welcome, dear viewers, to Character Crusade Unbound. This is Random Skyrim Roleplay, which we consider to be Season 1, Episode 2. Okay. Yay! <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Tonight, we are going to be in our first official episode of Unbound. Uh, everybody probably saw three weeks ago, hopefully, if you had you weren't there for the live stream, you were there for the recording, um, episode one, which was uh, Origins, where we kind of talked about what the rule set was, talked a little bit about what our goals were for this particular Unbound series. Tonight, we're going to actually get into characters talk about them a little bit. We'll talk about what our experiences were. Uh, we're calling that segment Character Craft. And uh, then in the second half of the show, we're going to be covering what we're calling Community Craft, which is all about your questions and characters. And we'll be uh, reading straight from the submissions that you sent us via the form. Before we do that, we're going to address a couple of different things. If you're interested in getting involved in Character Crusade Unbound, uh, it's never too late. Just go to unbound.charactercrusade.com, check out the rules there, and uh, build a character of your own and follow along with us. Uh, the way that this works is uh, each show we review where our characters are at following the specified rules for this season of Unbound. We get a little bit of a check-in, and then we set a level cap and do a little, uh, set a little homework as well for the next episode. And then we just continue to roll forward and it's a kind of a creative role play exercise. Uh, our hope is that we can do another one after this. So that would be ideal. So if you're interested in getting involved in that, it is never too late to get started and catch up. Or if uh, you're listening to this way in the future and, and we are on season eight of, of Character Crusade Unbound, then uh, feel free to play along, listen to the recordings back there in time. <laughs> the exercise is still the same, even if you're not getting engaged in the live discussion. It's still rewarding, and the plan is that the idea with the concept is that we're going to be talking about things and doing things that are going to foster uh, some creative role-playing ideas, some new ways of playing the game, some new ways of experiencing Skyrim that maybe you haven't tried before. Uh, as many hours as we've all put into this game, there are still opportunities for new and fresh take on the province of Skyrim and beyond. So that is the objective. If you're interested in supporting uh, this effort, Character Crusade Unbound podcast, you can do that by going to patreon.charactercrusade.com. Uh, throw us a little support there. Or you can go to the shop, be shop.charactercrusade.com. Buy an item there. Every time you buy an item in the store, we get a little bit of a kickback that we can use to keep the lights on and keep this thing going. So we appreciate your participation and your support. Um, anything else, Joe? No. I think okay. That, that All right. covers it. Yeah, Joe's Joe's got nothing. I got nothing. Uh, he's got nothing. Um, <clears throat> well, he's got something later. Just uh, as we get into the show. Listening intently. Yes, exactly. You may notice that we are a man down this evening. Um, man down. That is unfortunate. Matt could not join us tonight. Um, so things are really busy for him right now. He will be missed, but we will continue to forge ahead without him, and hopefully he will catch up with us later on down the line. Uh, just a, a few housekeeping items. 
Uh, as I said in, in the latter half of the show, we're going to go to community craft segment and we're going to talk a little bit about all the stuff that's come in on the web form. Um, that is the primary method that we want to use to get information from you. And we got a lot of submissions. Um, there, were, there were quite a few in there. Some of them were questions, some of them were not. We know that we're not, we can't possibly address all of them tonight. So uh, what we're going to do is we will um, be monitoring chat, but we aren't going to spend a lot of time answering questions in chat. We're going to focus primarily on what's going on uh, in, in the questions that you've submitted. All right, so that is all I've got. So let's let's dive right into it, Joe. Um, first of all, most importantly, what are you drinking? Uh, currently, I am enjoying a Shell's Deer brand. Oh. It's a very just kind of beer-flavored beer. Beer flavor. I back, like back it. Back to basics. That's good, yeah. Um, many of you may re re recognize the name Shell's. They were a supporter of our marathon our back in hour, yeah, October. October yeah. yeah, that was cool. And I, I believe I saw... I saw someone enjoying a bourbon. Yes. Let us know what kind of bourbon you're yeah. drinking. Yep. Always interesting. Yep. I am drinking a Surly Hell lager, which is quite delicious. Quite delicious. Um, been looking forward to this all day. <laughs> Not just that specific beer, but I think just in general. Pretty much any beer. Yeah. All right. So all right. All right. let's hit it. So last time around, you all will recall that we set a bare minimum of of six level six right mm -hmm. but our official level cap i think was eight to twelve eight to twelve yes okay so tonight at the end of the show we will be setting a new level cap but rest assured if you can't make it to the end of the show like certain people like william mcnee for example william is actually in um, in in the house exactly that's a special occasion yeah welcome william um i would expect by the time we get to the point in the show where we're setting level caps William will be asleep at the keyboard. So, <laughs> so um, just, rest assured, we will post the level cap for you on Discord. So, so you've got it. If William is suddenly <laughs> typing just like all the same letter in yeah. a row, it's probably because his forehead has hit yeah. the keyboard. Yep. A. Yeah. <laughs> over. <laughs> over and over again. I was actually on a... Um, a Discord stream, and one of the guys actually fell asleep. Really? Yeah, you could hear him nodding off in the background. It was pretty funny. Really? Yeah. Wow. Another Scottish man, if I remember right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> snoring like you were hearing snoring? or No. Well, no, you could just hear that rhythmic breathing. Oh, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I got you. Pretty funny. I got you. Well, let's get to it. Um, so, Joe, how did you do? Uh I ended up pretty good, pretty good. I, I hit level 11. All right. So, and most all of it this weekend. Okay. You binged this weekend? I did because okay. I was screwing around trying to be clever and cute earlier oh. in the week. So, um, okay. Well, that's good. I mean, so, you, you made it, you're right, you're base, right smack in the middle. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I did pretty well. I'd give you a, I'd give you a B plus. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take a B plus. Okay. Well, tell us how you did. Okay. So I have my handy dandy little sheet that you can't really see. There it is. Mm -hmm. 
These are just my stats. So this is where I ended up. Level 11. Uh, just got into it, so uh, not too far into level. Uh, Magicka, 100. Health, 130. And Stamina at 170. Okay. So most of the points are going Stamina and Health. I do not foresee Van as being much of a Magic user. Perhaps okay. maybe some Restoration... But right. I, I just I just don't <clears throat> picture him being a magic user at all. Not at all. So he is a a dual wield. Uh, okay. So I, I guess not specialist so, not quite at this point, but okay. So not a magic user, but that's because of what? That that's because you've at this point is it because you've made a decision that that's just going to be a play rule, or is there some some other reason that you're you're kind of thinking? No, well, maybe a little bit of both. Um, I just don't think I, – I don't think the character has a, a real big aptitude for it. Okay. So kind of as a self-imposition. Sure. Um, I'm just not going to do a lot with magic. All right. Makes so, sense. So like if he finds a spell book and stuff, would he just keep it and sell it? Is that kind of uh, – He might. He, he might uh, mm-hmm. unless – for a lot of them, he probably would. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because he's, he's like I said, he's just not sure. very apt at it. So, all right. Uh, I'm trying to think. Actually, I did just find a tome, and I can't remember if I kept it or if I. I think that one I did. I did read, and I can't remember what it is and why I read it. But okay, um, <laughs> you did something with it. I did something with the thing that did some stuff, and when I yeah. can use it, it's going to be awesome. You know, that's kind of a funny point, though, too, right? Because. Um, there are certain things in the game that are particular prizes, you know, like when you when you find one of those two bound bow spell books. Oh, right. Right. Where even if I'm playing a character who would not be interested in those things at all, I somehow feel compelled to take the book. Right. Right. Um, and I, I found myself having to resist exactly that temptation. So, it, yeah, it's interesting. So, how yeah. The you know, it can affect you. Every now and again, you kind of slip mm-hmm. into old habits, and I kind of right. mentioned that before. But yeah. I am going to try to focus on being very selective in any magic or spells that he, he okay. obtains. Um, I will say a caveat might be scrolls or magic items. Okay. Because that's not necessarily learning sure. it. That's just using something. Oh, yeah. That makes um, sense. But even still, a lot of scrolls, he probably isn't going to go through the motion of, mm-hmm. of I think he'll just look at them as being too arduous. Sure. Uh, okay. You know, your your physical weapons and that kind of stuff, it, it has more meaning to him. Right. So Makes sense. Uh, stamina, uh, just because he's a slight fellow, I, I felt he would probably have a lot more uh, just endurance than he would actual physical brutishness, if you will. Okay. So that's... Well, he's got a lot more stamina than he does anything else. Okay, got you. And um, he will be using a bow a lot. Uh, specifically, I want him to use the crossbow when I can get a chance to actually get that to him. I might have to. Uh, I might actually have to console that into somewhere and, and right and and play it off as you know that's that's the weapon of choice I want him to use. Okay, not necessarily a bow, but a crossbow. Yeah, uh, it just seems more. I I don't know. It seems more fitting to ship life. 
Yeah, and when you think about it, it's in a way it's kind of um, fitting to the character too because, uh, you know, a ranged weapon that allows him to keep a distance from the enemy, but a ranged weapon that's not reliant on his strength. Right, you know? other than to cock it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I like yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's got some good points in a couple ways there. Yeah. So right now, as he sits, he I have spent one, two, three, four, five, five different perk trees, uh, two points in archery. All right. Two points in lock picking. Uh, two points in one-handed, well, three points in one-handed, uh, two at the base, and then I took disciplined fighter. Gotcha. Uh, again, I want him to his dual wielding to be his thing, so I'm going to go up whatever side or whatever perks mm-hmm. pertain to that. Makes sense. Uh, one point in sneak so far and two points in speech, which is another area ah. that I am going to be focusing more on. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, since he is kind of a suave, fast talker yeah. sort. <laughs> I like that. Um, so the future perk trees that I can think of right now that I would be interested in is smithing, alchemy, focusing in poisons, All right. light armor, and enchanting, just specific to weaponry and, and okay. So maybe armor, but I mean, you could see him getting into enchanting. Be, then. I could see him doing some enchanting because... He's, he's going to want to be somewhat self-reliant uh-huh. on making his stuff, his gear, as best he can. Um, but I don't see a lot of a lot of perks being spent in, a cha- in, in enchanting. Okay. So, so he might he he might spend on maybe some of the initial perks just to just to get proficient to get proficient. Right. Yeah, but he right. might not specialize. The thing too is um, you're using ordinator, right? Yes. Yeah, ordinator's got some kind of uh, the perks in there get a little bit wacky. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, great, great for certain characters, but um, I could see him maybe taking like the first couple, which help you get proficient. They increase the power of the enchantments you create. But then it's kind of like once you get past that level, then things start getting really, really specialized, where you kind of become that that staff based fighter or you're going out, you're going down a path that lets you harvest more souls or you know something right, like right, that. Right. Um, and actually, as far as that goes, I did find, did I find it or did I purchase it? I don't recall, but uh, I did acquire a a circlet that will uh, charge a soul gem once per day. So cool. Um, for that kind of stuff, he'll rely on items okay. to do his work. Does he wear the circlet? Uh, he does. I see. I'm not. Does as he a, wear it in public? I'm not. I am not as opposed to the circlets as you are. Um, <laughs> I'm I, not I, really opposed to I circlets. Don't, I don't mind them that much, so yeah. I don't mind putting them on. But uh, when I get a chance, I'll probably mm-hmm. try to put it on something else. But right now, it's kind of, yeah. you know, you're just past tenth, eleventh sure. level. There's not a lot to choose from. Yeah. Kind of get what, you, and that's the other thing. He's he's a scavenger <laughs> in that sense. He doesn't care. He doesn't, you know, have this everything's got a match kind of it's uh-huh. whatever's the best. Well, I could see him kind of, you know, like nudging the guy next to him is, hey, does this make me look like a douche? I'm, I'm not going to wear this outside. I'm just, you know. 
Or maybe he puts it on right before bed and hopes when he wakes up his soul gem is charged or whatever. <laughs> like, you know? he's, he's fairly practical. Okay. So yeah. he, I, I guess for the most part, he doesn't really care what others think. Right. That's if, cool. If it suits his purpose. So, uh, yeah. But that being said, since I'm kind of gearing him up that speech tree, uh-huh. um, he's also stumbled into the Bard's College. Okay, and cool. He has completed that and is now actually at a bard. So that was something I wasn't planning on, but uh, it just seemed kind of fitting. So I don't know. He's kind of going. I think I'm going to kind of take him down the the bard road, kind of a musician type of road, maybe. I think that's a really interesting not, choice. Not as hardcore as Robard per se. Uh huh. But he, I don't know. Maybe it's just the musician thing. Has he still kind of has that bad boy? Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I like it. Kind of vibes. I think so, it's cool. Um, he's not, mm-hmm. you know, speaking of douches, he's not like Robart is, but. Oh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> ah, Robart's a douche. And I, I've kind of built him that way since the beginning, so it's fun. Well, yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't uh, know Katie what says to. says hi. Hey, Katie. Hey. Good to see you. Um, I don't know what to pigeonhole him in, if, if really you can. Uh Thief assassin? I'm not sure. I mean, he's definitely going to be good at lock picking, mm-hmm. not pickpocketing so much. Right. Uh, stealth. I'll probably put some something into that. Maybe just all around scoundrel. Maybe that's yeah, good kind enough. Kind of. You know. Kind of. But I think ultimately, because I really I was looking up uh, some of these perks in the speech tree, and um, I might like to try to take him kind of up this this merchant type of path. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I can see that, and kind of make him, you know, maybe try to build his own type of little merchant empire. Yeah, I I could totally see that. So. Yeah, you got a lot of options in there, right? I mean, you can go up that whole merchant side, then you can go the opposite direction too and do the bribery stuff. Right, which is right, pretty cool. Right. Could see him doing that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, well, what I like is that what Skyrim does by, kind of by default is it it gives you these rewards for being a good guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you do services for the community, you save some people, you do this kind of stuff, you, you're rewarded with becoming a thane, right? Right, right. Um, what I love is, is kind of um, these opportunities the game presents you to sort of turn it on its head and change up your character's um, not only motivation for becoming a thane, but the method that he might use to become a thane. Right. So, well, yeah, you, know, that's, you can kind that's, of set that up for yourself to be whatever you need it to. It's kind of what I, I, I've been liking about uh, this character so far mm-hmm. is that I can do all that stuff because on the surface, it looks like one thing. But from a character perspective, it's all calculated. Mm-hmm. So he's doing all these good deeds, not because he wants to do the good deed, but because he knows he can get something out of it later. Right. So he's kind of looking. He's It's like a chess game. Yeah. So he's setting up all the pieces. <laughs> I like it. So it's he can good. become that thing, but not because he did this all these wonderful things, but because he wants that position. Right. Oh, I like so, it. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of where, where he's at. So, all right. You know, the, it was funny. I started him out and, I, you know, he talked his way out of the Stormcloak camp and then vowed that he was not going to go to solitude. And I think I've spent more time in solitude in these first 11 le- uh-huh. levels than I can... Well, let's kind of how that worked. Let's dive into that because 
Um, in the last episode, you you gave us a little bit. I mean, at that point, you hadn't played at all. You've played no. just enough to get into the game get and started. And we we all knew where you were at. So right. it, recap for us where you started, and then how you worked your way out of that situation, like what you did with it. Okay, so from a game game mechanic perspective, he just started in the encampment, but. None, none of the Stormcloaks were hostile to him, even though he is by race an Imperial and was wearing full Imperial soldier armor. Okay. So, it's so bizarre. Uh, with the only exception that he carried a regular shield and a iron sword. Okay. So otherwise he was... Decked out as an Imperial, imperial soldier. head to toe. Okay. Gotcha. So, but the game didn't register anything Hostile. So he obviously hadn't been placed into the Imperial faction as far as Civil War goes. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would have just murdered him right away. Okay. <laughs> Which would have been, I don't know how I Great. would have out of that. <laughs> um, you know, well, what what camp did you, they put you in? Where was the camp? Uh, it was in between uh, Solitude and Dawnstar, if I remember right. Kind of on the northern. Okay. So... Um, up, up in the uh, snow-blown wasteland yes, there. Yes, Okay, I, sure. Actually, if you go on the coast, it's it's really mm-hmm. not far from the Brine Hammer, if I remember right. Okay, gotcha. Uh, which is kind of where I got the, right. the backstory okay. from. So nowhere to run there. I nowhere mean, to run. Okay. So he basically, and I did actually, I posted a couple of these. I posted this uh, in both text form via Google Doc and... Uh, I decided to screw around and do some audio work, so that's up there yeah. too. But basically, he talked himself into saying, and talked the Stormcloaks <laughs> into saying that he was a spy. Okay. So I'm a I'm a Stormcloak spy, and I actually went to the extreme and got my whole visage changed, the whole face sculpture thing. Well, this is what he's telling them, but this, is this what isn't what he them. really is, right? No. So he's okay. convincing the Stormcloaks that I'm really, I'm really a Nord, but I've gone through all this work. <laughs> I've had some work done. I've had some work done. <laughs> okay. And I'm heading to Solitude <laughs> okay. on, on a mission for all things. All right. So gotcha. Convinces them. So then he beats feet, and he, he's right. not going to go to Solitude at all because... Uh, I I haven't really figured worked in, but because of his kind of piratey days <laughs> on the Brian Hammer and the fact that he he knows people on the the docks, uh, he wants to stay away from there because okay. there's, there's probably some bad blood somewhere along the line. All right. So he's avoiding the docks, but uh, when he heads south, kind of a, in a south, southerly direction, mm-hmm. he ends up at Stone Hills, the mining camp. Okay. Uh, and there he meets the blacksmith. Now, I do have um, cutting room floor okay. installed, so that's adding a few things about. Because I oh. don't recall in just vanilla that there's actually a blacksmith at that mine. <sighs> there's there's I some equipment, remember. but I don't think there's a blacksmith. Like, there's a couple of items. There's a smelter in that, but I don't think so. Okay. No, I, I think so, that's probably cutting room floor. That's kind of what I'm attributing because some of these places, it's been a while since I've been to, so I don't remember what's what. But uh, So he made it there. He was able to trade in his gear. Fortunately, the character did start with about 2,000 gold pieces. So I had something to work with, uh, unlike some of you poor sods. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> um, so I, I spent almost all of my coin on a full new set of leather armor. All I right. sold off the Imperial stuff. Uh, and then I, I actually spent the bulk of it on a pair of bracers that enhanced as one-handed. Okay. So that's where all my coin a whole went. bunch of coin. Yep. And then right. I mined for a little bit, actually made enough ingots that I could improve some of the stuff. All and right. then uh, it was already nightfall, so I stayed there and then took off the next day. But then one of the miners had convinced me that I wanted, you know, they needed to deliver a message to Bryling at the Blue Palace. Oh, okay, yeah. To let her know that her shipment is on its way kind of thing, so. Okay. That's when I got the idea, all right, I'm not going to Solitude, but I'm going to go to Solitude. <laughs> okay. Um, with the idea that uh, having a contact in the Blue Palace might be a, a benefit. Right. Okay. So this that makes is sense. that kind of doing a good deed, but for personal gain. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I ended up doing. I went to Solitude and um, went to the Blue Palace. I passed the Bards College, which that's when it struck me to try to do the uh, the Bards the Bard thing. Okay. And I gave him a flute. That's his instrument of choice because it seemed like <laughs> a right. good, cool ship shanty kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, a little whistle. Gotcha. So that is his instrument of choice. Penny whistle. Penny farthing. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so, and that's more or less where he's at. So he went out, fought some bandits. Um, he adopted Miko, if you will, and then Miko got killed. Uh, <laughs> so he lost his dog, like right out of the gate. Oh man! Uh, so now he has a chip on his shoulder about bandits. Okay. I mean, he probably never thought one way or the other because they're basically just a land version of himself. But correct. Um, yeah. Now he doesn't like them. They're Cause, assholes. Because they killed his dog. Because they killed his dog. Yeah. We had we had this conversation, I think, the the John Wick conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not quite that <laughs> intense, but yeah, I, I suppose we could go there. <laughs> yeah. Van Wick. Um, Van Wick, yes. Yeah. Van Wickle. Okay. <laughs> so did he actually go to the Blue Palace then? Yes. You made yes. it there? Okay. Yeah, like I said, I spent a lot of time in so solitude. What what happened there then? Yeah, how did you play that? Like were there any trepidation about going in there or how um, how did you just, just walk right in or what did you do? Well so I got to that point and I kind of played that off as all right, so we've got the docks, which are fairly separate from solitude. Right. So I kind of went on the assumption that, or the the idea that uh, the captain never let his crew off the docks or off the boat even. Right. Or maybe just him and first mate or whatever might well, yeah, you actually gotta, go into solitude. you so, got to crack the whip. Those guys will go into town and get drunk and you'll never see them so again. So he's never actually been in okay. solitude <laughs> up until this point, the city okay. proper at least. Okay. So once he got in the city... Because he's never been there, no one has ever recognized him. Okay. Um, Jari Ra, he tries to avoid because he's seen him on the docks. Oh, uh, sure. Uh, so there's going to be a couple characters. Okay. Um, You're going to use them? That, uh, oh, who's the clown in the Winking Skeever? Uh, which one? <laughs> the, 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 the Empire Training Company. Oh. What is that? It's Kashyyyk, oh. isn't it? Is no, Khajiit or an Argonian? It's an Argonian. It is Argonian. Oh, you're talking about um, 
Blah, blah, blah. From, from the Thieves Guild quest line? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Uh, that'll be another That'll be another character. Yeah. yeah, he sits in that little alcove. Yeah. Um, but he'll avoid him. So there's going to be a few people yeah. he'll, you know, recognize, if you will. Right. But for the most part, uh, he doesn't know or recognize anyone. No one really mm-hmm. knows him. So, um, Golomai, thank you. Yeah. So... I'm going to kind of use that as a, a as a reason to be able to go in the city fairly open, but he's still not going to spend a lot of time. Right. Uh, he might stay overnight at the skeever, but he's not going to spend a, a you know weeks at a time. Okay. So he got his errand, his delivery to Brylin. Uh, he started up the bards <clears throat> thing. All right. Uh, and then decided that after doing some back and forth with the smith and getting his gear kind of set up for what he could. He headed out and decided to camp that night outside the city walls and that he felt he was staying too long. So, you know, I'll probably kind of try to limit myself mm-hmm. to a day at most. In your mind, what's what's the source of his concern about being in the city? Concern about being recognized or... Yeah, what? well, yeah, and it? that's the idea is that there's going to be someone that he is, or just being association with the Brinehammer okay. uh, from the docks might be actually in the city. And the the way that you're playing the Brinehammer, right, is that it was it was noted as a pirate vessel, or it what? Was, it was unofficially. Okay. Um, it was noted for um, the black running black market goods okay. and for piracy, but nothing that could be definitively proved. Okay. So it was, you know, it wasn't hunted, but it, a close eye was kept on it. Okay. Got you. So so the the idea is that there may be people in solitude especially at the docks who would know who he is, who, and either, who would recognize him and know him to be someone who was right. criminal element. Right, and either try to turn him in or take him out. Gotcha. So and it's going to be probably like that for in, in Dawnstar and any of the major docks. That's true. Yeah. Word gets around, man. Word gets around. Yeah. Among so. those longshoremen, you know. <laughs> so he is, he, he, he left Solitude, was going to head and uh, with uh, one eye for the Bard's College, mm-hmm. King Olaf. And okay. on the way, because he was schmoozing a little bit with the innkeeper, he got all these jobs because, you know, he spent all his coin. So he's, mm-hmm. he's, he wants to pick up some of these odd jobs. All right. Um, and one was to get some bandits on the way. He was just going right past it. So Okay. Uh, he popped in there and got completely overwhelmed. So Whoops. <laughs> I had to. Uh, Whoops. I had to retreat quickly. Okay. Yeah, I was getting my ass handed. This was a, <laughs> this was a, 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 a cavern, a bandit-infested cavern right. installed by uh, Forgotten Dungeons. Oh, okay. And whereabouts is it? Uh, this one was just um, around the marshes, uh, not far from the main road, but kind of where it splits with that. Okay, there's that. A split that has the dead horse and the cart and yeah, gotcha on the one corner. Yep, it's just down opposite from there. Okay, um, all right. So 
he went in there and left, went back to the Four Shields, and that's where he picked up his current companion, um, mm. Skjarn? Yeah. Skjarn, which is a horrible, horrible bard at the Four Shields. <laughs> yeah. And a very cocky and self-assured one. But I, I think he sounds like a good companion for you. He is a good companion because, as Van's history has denoted, because he's small, he has a tendency to surround himself with people that are big and will help shield him from physical harm. Okay. So this was a perfect fit because here's a guy that's all full of himself, so mm-hmm. super easy to manipulate. Just tell him all the things he wants to hear yeah. and let him run in front of you. So is this an NPC that in order to get his help, did you have to pay him? Or did he come along with you? I just asked him. I, I don't know did. if I just hit the right the right uh, huh. dialogue options or uh-huh. – but, yeah, he just kind of came along. <laughs> so as you play it out, from a role-playing perspective, you can play it out as though um, Van was successfully able to con him into coming along if you want. I mean, you could, yeah, you could, and basically, you could say it any way you yeah, want. Yeah, I'm putting it in a in – a, in a, a term or, or a manner where making it appear as if it was Skjarn's idea. Sure. You know. Makes sense. I like it. <laughs> so that fortunately I, I did have him along and, yeah, and we went we, we we made it through this entire yeah. crawl and <clears throat> almost all of my eleven levels were gained in that dungeon. <laughs> I could see him be like, Yeah, my life is much too dangerous. You wouldn't last a minute with me. You know, and then wait a minute, I can do that. You know, you can totally see that kind of thing. <laughs> Little reverse or, psychology, or or whatever. even opposite. It's like, boy, I don't think I'd be able to make this without someone like you along. Oh, and just ingratiating Stroke yourself to, him to the max. Yeah, okay, because that he's, works too. He's very, very much into it himself and how great he is. So. I got you. I got you. He's a horrible bard, but. <laughs> See, but this is kind of cool, though, too, because mm-hmm. as it turns out, now it's a party of two bards. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think so, that's fabulous. It's kind of fun. Yeah. It's very good. So, so uh, as you left it off at level 11, then are you still in the dungeon or did you successfully complete it? I successfully completed it. and Okay. Any good I, swag I in there? I successfully completed that and <laughs> successfully completed uh, the bard quest. Okay. To get the 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 the, the poetic verse of oh okay one eye. Oh, you got that done too. Yeah. Shit. We're official. Damn. We're official bard, baby. That, that's kind of. A, I mean, that's a significant dungeon crawl too. Yeah. It's yeah. Pretty pretty substantial. It was pretty so. su- substantial slog through between that. those two. Yeah, I I leveled pretty fast. All right. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. So right now he is. Where is he at? I believe he is. God, where did I leave off? I don't remember if I left off at the Bard's College. No, I think I left that. So did you go back? You went back to Solitude, though? Yeah, to turn it to in. To turn it we in. We had you the did whole effigy that. burning. And... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I, wow, you got through a lot more than I thought then. It was a productive weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Because I think last time we talked, you were at you were at the minimum. Like, you were at six. Yeah, you were at six with less than a week to go. Oh, yeah. And no, uh, you burned through it this weekend. Yeah, pretty much. And documented all of it and recorded those two audio features. Three. 
Oh, well, the first one the you first had before one was that, earlier. though, right? Yeah, you're right. But two. You, so you recorded two. I recorded now you, two. So you're writing all these down and you're doing them as like dramatic readings, and then you're posting those the written versions as well, or just the just the, the audio. The written versions are in in the doc, the single document. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So that's all just one doc. That's kind of right. a, a history. Now I haven't written anything in this last, yeah, this last segment quite yet. So okay, well. I, I think that's one of the cool things about there, – there's a lot of cool things about this exercise, but one of the interesting features of this exercise is seeing not only how people decide to role play their characters, but how the different ways in which people decide to document what they're doing. Oh, yeah. And I, I think the, the option you've chosen is really cool. I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, yeah, I'm going to try to keep up with the audio just because it's kind of fun. Uh-huh. Um, and my goal is to keep that – to that four to five minute, just really a short snapshot. So yeah, um, the the second piece, the middle piece, is yeah a lot longer. It's about ten, but okay. Um, I'm going to try to cut good. it down because because they're kind of fun to do. Yeah, absolutely. Even though they take me a long time. Well, they they do, <laughs> but there's something kind of fun and rewarding about creating those audio pieces and all the sound effects that go right. with them and, and trying to portray your character's voice and all that. It's, it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the, the voice a little bit. Um, I don't know if I've got it nailed quite yet, but getting close. Mm -hmm. No, I, I like it. What I, what, I've, I've heard them all now. I listened to two of them with you and um, one yeah, on my I made, own. I made Stu listen. Yeah. He, he forced me, but I did. what am I going to do? I, I mean, took the cable from his say hands. No. Unplugged my phone. I know. I didn't want to hurt his feelings. You know how it is. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. Anyway, yeah, I uh, I thought they were really good. Um, oh, I'm just kidding. I thought that, I thought they were fantastic. Actually, they were fun. Um, they yeah, you work. should. They need a little polish, but they were fun. You should go listen to them. They they have you know sound effects and everything, ambient sound effects. As well as you know, like sound effects when he's mining and and all these different things, Bur the birds, the ocean. I mean, all this oh, stuff. It's, kind of fun, so. it's pretty cool. Yeah, they're yeah, on the really Discord. Cool. They're they're in the Discord discussions channel. So yeah, that's the yeah. only it's the only place I've got links to the audio. Yeah, posted. So absolutely. And for those of you who are thinking about joining us, um, or have joined us and just haven't discovered it yet, there's a lot of activity on Discord. Get out there and you will find an announcements group. You'll find a place to post your characters and then a place to engage with the community in discussion about what you're doing and how you're doing it. Uh, to also ask questions or get advice, um, bounce ideas off the group, things like that. Remember, I mean, this is a giant kind of a just a role-playing brainstorm session. And the objective here is um, to become better role players and to try new things. Um, there is no wrong way to do this. And what I like is that, you know, everybody who's participating is putting their own spin, their own twist on this. And I think that's vitally important. And sharing your ideas and asking your questions is also vitally important. That's how, uh, how we all grow, um, you know, as role players, storytellers. And in essence, I mean, never forget that that's what you are. You may be telling the story to yourself in your head, but you are a storyteller when you're doing that. And uh, the richer story you can tell yourself in here, the more you're going to enjoy that game, the more you're going to get out of your free time when you play it. Um, again, this is a game that will keep on giving back to you if you plug the right things into it. So, Well, and, and two, on top of that, the, the more you kind of get in, it's like anything. Yeah. You know, the more you 
practice. Yeah. yeah. The more you start looking at things that you've been maybe passed a hundred times in a little bit different way. Yep. So it, it just kind of makes the, the old things new. Yeah. But it takes practice. It does. It kind of does. And then I think your your opportunities to experiment in this game with tying quests and different things together to expand as you become more familiar mm -hmm. with what's going on in the game. So every time you play through a side quest and learn what the outcomes are, um, that's you know, another tool in the toolbox for the next character you create. Uh, you'd have the potential of taking that content and folding it in somewhere else in a way that makes sense, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, the, the experience that you have as a first-time player of this game uh, can be very different than the experience you have as a long-time player. So, All right, now. Now, that was the long-winded version of me, so. All right. What do you got going? Here's the long-winded version of me. Um, I haven't touched the character in two weeks. Um, I hit that level cap within the first week. And ever since that point, I've been focused on trying to get things together for Idastog and his story. <laughs> so um, I had to sort of reacquaint myself with where um, Raiden was when, when I left off. And kind of catch back up again. So, uh, if you remember, uh, so Raiden, he is a red guard. And uh, when I created him, Unbound dropped him into this interesting little area. It was a hunter's camp right off the road um, in East March. It was directly across the road from the Giants' camp in East March. If you're not familiar with East March, it is kind of that wasteland in the center of the map. Uh, very close to Windhelm. It looks like kind of a volcanic wasteland with a lot of steam and, you know, uh, stuff like that going yeah, on. Yeah, like the hot springs. The hot, yeah, it's got the hot springs and all that stuff going on. It's really strange landscape. But he was dropped in there. And uh, to make things even more interesting, uh, he was dropped in in fine clothing uh, with a dagger and a staff that... I think it was a staff of fear. So it was an illusionist staff. And I was kind of, you know, trying to figure out what to do with this guy because he's got all these fine clothes on. And, oh, by the way, he had a, a fairly large sum of money on him as well. I think he he had uh, over 600 septums in his coin purse. And then he had this weird staff and a dagger. <laughs> and a couple other random items, and he was just standing then in the middle of a ban or of a hunter's camp where they had uh, killed a mammoth. So I kind of took a quick walk around me, and I said, okay, what the F just happened here? What, what could possibly be happening? So I went to the opposite end of the camp, and I, I looked down, and I could see the road down below, and there was a, a caravan of Khajiits just walking by at that moment. And then across the street, directly across the road, um, just beyond those Khajiits, was uh, a wagon that had obviously been crushed by something large with a dead Khajiit laying there and a bunch of books scattered around. We've all seen it. Mm -hmm. um, that was there. And I thought, you know, the wheels started spinning pretty quickly. And I'm like, okay, what happened here? So uh, the way that I played this out was to say that uh, Raiden was traveling into Skyrim uh, in search of his father. 
the staff that he had was given to him by his mother and is, is the property of his father. And the idea is that he, he will be able to give the staff back to his father and his father would recognize the staff, right? Okay. So right there, first of all, I'm, I'm giving him, I, I gave him a reason to be in Skyrim. But then because he's unfamiliar with Skyrim, uh, I had sort of set things up to say that he was traveling with a band of Khajiits. And if you'll remember from the last episode, the background for this character, um, I set him up to be kind of from this, I guess it's the Ashaba tribe of, of Red Guard, which are known to be undead killers. Which right. killing the undead is something that is taboo in Red Guard society, but the Ashaba tribe are particularly known for it, and they are forgiven for it because it is considered a useful function in society to be able to do this. Seems so redundant. What? Killing the undead? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing about it, too, is like if you, if you think about it— um, Red Guard society, a lot of the things that we think about when we think about the ancient Egyptians are sort of attributed to Red Guard society as well, where they they have these, you know, elaborate burial rituals and they mummify the dead and they, you know, um, you know, separate all of their organs into separate jars. And, you know, like there's all this like there's all like this pomp kind of thing. Yeah. There's all this pomp and circumstance around around the burial of the dead that is very, very similar to what we would equate with Egyptian civilization. Um, so when you think about it in those terms, it kind of makes sense, right? If if uh, you're, the dead are revered and massive monuments are created in their honor, and then they some, some, somehow they come back to life, the idea that you're you're going to walk up to the revered dead and start hammering away on them with a sword is considered sort of taboo, right? Well, this of course creates a problem in society where you know necromancers in 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 the past have uh, elven necromancers specifically have come into places like Hammerfell and raised undead armies and basically walked unopposed all over the place, you know taking over large areas and stuff like that because no one would oppose the undead because of this taboo. And that's where the Ashaba kind of fit in. So they are basically shunned by Red Guard society because they're considered unclean, but they're tolerated because they're considered necessary. Okay. And so my background story after digging into the lore was to say that he was of the Ashaba people uh, and that, you know, his, his mother was some kind of a priestess. And uh, when I was doing crea character creation, it was pretty fun because I really gave him a lot of characteristics associated with um, the High Elves. So I gave him skin tone that was a little bit more golden. I gave him golden colored hair, which is obviously styled like a red guard, but then gave him slightly pointed ears. This is what I like about mods, right? I can get in there and really refine how the character looks. I gave him sort of almond-shaped eyes. When you look at him, he's very clearly Redguard, but you can definitely see those aspects of his elven right. heritage. And so my goal was to kind of play him that way. Um, so what I did is I kind of looked around and said, okay, well, we got a bunch of hunters that are skinning a mammoth. I'm going to say that he was traveling with these Khajiits because he didn't know where he was going. He signed on with them and said, hey, 
Um, I will use, I, you know, you can use my services as a swordsman to protect your caravan. Uh, in exchange, I will follow along with you and you can help me find my way around Skyrim, which I'm unfamiliar with. So in that particular situation, I just played it up as though the caravan was attacked by that mammoth. Their cart was crushed and one of their members were killed. And that at that point, they decided to jettison Raiden because they considered him bad luck. Um, and I, like I, I kind of played it off, too, as though maybe Raiden was a bit of a pain in the ass to them. Because he obviously came into Skyrim without his own weapon. <laughs> they would have, I'm sure, gladly provided him with a sword uh, if he had offered to help them defend their wagons. But my argument was that he was so fussy or picky in terms of the blades that he's willing to wield. They didn't have any curved swords. <laughs> that he would take a sword from them, but he would use it in the moment and then give it back because he didn't want to be associated with it. <laughs> um, and so that in that way, I could sort of portray both what happened to break that relationship down, but also paint a pretty clear picture of him as being somewhat elitist when it comes to swordsmanship, which makes sense. I mean, um, their society you know, in a lot of ways, they're, you know, the, that's where the sword singers come from, right? Oh, okay. You know, right, right. renowned swordsmen. So that's how I kind of played that off. Right. So he finds himself stuck here. Cool. And so it, at this point, I kind of had this all swirling in my head and I thought, okay, He's, he's left alone. He's like, okay, what am I going to do next? I can follow the road, and I can just keep going the same direction I was going, but that means I'm going to be following these Khajiits. <laughs> that seems a bit uncomfortable under the circumstances. Right. So uh, what I did is I just had him basically look around, and I said, what's the highest point? Where could I climb that would give me a good point where I could kind of look down over the surrounding landscape and figure out what was around and what direction I should go? Cool. And so uh, I think uh, Bone Strewn Crest is the name of the, the, oh, yeah, the spot yeah. that is highest there. Sometimes, well, there's a dragon wall there. Uh, quite often there's a dragon, you know, flying laps around the top of that mountain in the middle of the wasteland. In my playthrough, there wasn't because my character isn't the dragonborn. So, Do you know that? I'm pretty sure. Because I, when I went to the top of Bone Strewn Crest, the wall was not singing. Oh, um, okay, yeah. You, you needed to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, he's not the Dragonborn. So Now, me, actually, I have collected a couple words. You have. But it doesn't necessarily mean I'm the Dragonborn. Yeah. I, I have to wait until I can actually absorb a soul. Then I'll know for sure. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, see, that's the interesting thing about Unbound is... You can be the dragonborn, you can not be the dragonborn, or you can be something fuzzy in between. <laughs> right, right. Right? Valfarish. Yeah, where where you can acquire words from a wall, but you can't absorb a, a soul. Right, you can right? use the thum, but you're not the chosen one. So I wonder in that case, I mean, how do you use the thum if you can't if you can't absorb a dragon soul? Or well, are you just collecting case, these words? I know if you do it manually, in in that case, you would select non-dragonborn and it would just unlock so when you get a word it unlocks as, the words right oh that's cool uh, which now yeah. that you mention it it has not done so so you've got words but it's not unlocking them right so really? there's probably a chance that he is the dragonborn because he hasn't absorbed any souls yet 
Wow. That would be my guess. Van Dragonborn. Right. Mm, I like it. Damn, I should have named him Helsing. <laughs> <laughs> or Van Dam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, I climbed to the top of Bone Strewn Crest, and... Uh, of course, this was after I went down to that Khajiit cart and I raided that Khajiit cart for all that it was worth. Right. I found some iron armor and a war hammer. And so I ran to the top of that mountain. There were uh, three undead up there. Uh, I slew them all and approached the wall, looked at it. It was gorgeous. There was nothing there for me. <laughs> That's um, pretty neat. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I could tell it was a wall because of how it was. Right on. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so laying there, though, in front of the wall were two swords. Um, one was a one handed uh, sword called Destiny, and the other one was a two handed sword called Baptism in Fire. Nice. And I'm like, this feels like Destiny. So I've got two swords, I grabbed them both. And I had already decided that he was going to be a two-handed fighter. So obviously, I'm, I'm using baptism and fire as his primary weapon. But he's also carrying the other one. And um, So you use the regular, but not the two-handed, right? Is that what you... I'm using the two-handed. Okay, so you're using two-handed. Okay, I'm using I, the two-handed, but I'm carrying both of them because he understands they're both relics. Right. They're, both, they're both these beautiful swords that are laying in this... Supposedly so do you see place. him as being a two-handed wielder then? Yeah, he is. That, that's where you're, the direction you're going? I'm going two-handed. Okay. But with that character, what he's decided is he's going to – he's a sword singer. So the, the sword is a sacred instrument to him. And so what I decided to do is keep both swords, and the idea is even though he doesn't use the one-handed sword, he recognizes the value of the weapon – and he is going to be keeping his eyes open for someone he thinks is worthy of wielding that weapon as he travels oh, okay. forward. And it, would that someone be a companion? Possibly, yeah. Okay. Possibly. I could see him maybe sure. having a companion. Um, it has to be someone who shares a lot of his values, I think, just in terms of you know, the, well, this idea of emphasis he, on swordsmanship and all that then, kind yeah. of stuff. So, yeah, he kind of sees it as part of his mission to to give this sword a home. Almost like he's waiting for the weapon to tell him. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, so what was interesting there is I, I got to the top, and if, thank God, I mean, once I got to the top, I got a really excellent weapon, but I also found uh, a set of abrasers of sure grip, which oh, um, nice. help out a shit ton, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... The interesting thing, too, I, I think to mention is that when I started the game, I started the game um, playing at adept level, which I think is the default level. Yeah, I think so. Um, Pretty sure that's probably where I'm at. This sword is very powerful. I mean, it extremely powerful for a level one character. So as soon as I got the sword, the first thing I did was up the difficulty um, and I, I went, I upped it two levels. So, um, no, I upped it one level. So I went to expert first and played that way for a while, but have since increased the level of difficulty twice more. Um, so at that point kind of looked in a direction and said, okay, if I'm not going to follow the road, then, um, I'm going to head to the river. Because I could see the the river valley from up there, so headed to the river and along the way, 
ran into the witch that lives there. There's that little um, copse of trees right there with a little cabin in it, and there's this um, this witch or hag or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, managed to kill her and kind of loot what was there and, and continued on my way. So uh, it I don't know. I mean it it got really interesting because I made it to the road. And then as I headed up the road, one of the places that as you're headed towards, say, Volfheim Tower, right? He he goes up past Fordham Mall. He hangs a right. He's headed toward Volfheim Tower. And there's as soon as you cross that bridge, there's a barrow to the left. There's some stairs that kind of go up at an angle, right? So what I did is uh, I went up there because it, it obviously looked like a barrow. Now, one of the things that's really important is that this— this character Raiden, he he is a killer of the dead, but he is also somebody whose whole life is built around this idea of the dead. And it's not it's not that he is all about killing the dead. It's about revering the dead and respecting the dead. And so the way that I'm playing him is I'm playing him who's basically had some formal training in how to be an undertaker in his own culture. And so when he—and I kind of made some decisions ahead of time that, you know, cemeteries and barrows and any place where the dead is either—are either prepared or buried are places of spiritual significance, and he would go to observe and pay his respects and do whatever he needs to do. So I went on up there, and I thought this is going to be sort of the first— Nord Barrow that he would have encountered. And of course, um, when you get there, uh, there's a young man, a Nord about his own age, who is complaining about a necromancer going into his family crypt and defiling the corpses, and that his Aunt Agna has already gone in there, and he feels bad about letting her go in alone and all these things. So, of course, he would go in. So essentially at that point, I was like, okay, he draws the sword and says, all right, tell you what, I'll do you a solid. Let's go in together. I'll lead the way. I know my way around the dead. Let's do this. I'll help you. So and I think this guy's name is Golmir. Um, so we go in there, and what was really interesting is I, I think um, in our first episode, I had mentioned that uh, I was using a mod by Anai Scion called Andromeda, which basically swaps out the powers in all of the standing stones for alternates. Okay. And in this particular case, uh, I'm using the ritual stone. So the ritual yeah. stone... Gold here. Yep. Yeah, the ritual stone gives you this kind of interesting ability where um, if... Anyone who is killed in a violent way, it's possible when you approach them that their soul can be, their spirit can be attached to you um, in sort of a temporary way for a period of time. They will help you. Oh, cool. They will engage in combat uh, on your behalf with you. Um, and what was really cool is this was very unexpected for me because I went in here with with Goldir and I was going to help him out and we got down to that room where we found the body of his aunt Agna and uh, we were attacked by Draugr and her spirit emerged her spirit from emerged from around Raiden 
and she helped her nephew slay those Draugr, and then she disappeared. Oh, cool. It was the coolest fucking thing ever. So cool. Yeah, I know, right? And at that point, I was like, okay, this is it. Like, I got... I feel like I, I really suddenly yeah, I kind of hit your stride. I felt the spirit of yeah, this character yeah. immediately where he he went into this situation selflessly to help this kid because he's like, this kid doesn't know what he's getting into. I know all about this stuff. And not only did he do that, but he he gives this kid who is feeling all kinds of guilt and grieving uh, about leaving his aunt to fight on her own one last chance to see her spirit before she goes, right? And so I took some screen caps of him praying by the body and kind of role-played that as that, you know, he was doing what he could, right? Right, right. To, to help put her spirit at rest. And then we kind of went through the rest of the place. Cool. We killed the necromancer. We eliminated all the Draugr. And um, <clears throat> this character... Um, Galdir is is interesting because he's he's comes off as though he's kind of a teenager. He's making mistakes. He's doing some things wrong, but his heart is in the right place. And I can see him potentially as someone that, um, with some more experience, Raiden might return to later to bestow that sword upon. Oh, because okay. that is a character who can become a follower. Oh, okay, cool. Which is pretty pretty awesome. All right, all right. So, so he's keeping one eye open on the, yeah, on the kid. Yeah, he's got he's got the kid in his mind now. He's like, right. you know, maybe this kid has learned something, you know, and um he's been he's been through some shit, but he must be a good person if his aunt, given all that the kid has is done, kind of <laughs> you know, ditching his own aunt as she went into trouble, probably expecting help from him. His but his aunt comes back anyway. To save his bacon, she must have loved him, right? Oh, so yeah, yeah. I kind of used that a little bit as cool. just some role playing fuel, Very nice. and it was it was pretty significant because from that point on, I really upped the ante on just making sure that he was he was doing these kinds of things that that I needed him to be doing to to play out the level of his devotion, right? So uh, eventually, um, interestingly enough. Um, Made it, made it past uh, Valheim, and it, the weird thing there is when I got to Valheim, there was already a battle going on. There were there were two groups of bandits fighting over really? Valheim Tower. Oh, funny! I don't think I've yeah. ever seen that. And that was a combination of um, OBS and immersive patrols, possibly oh, okay. working together. And so those bandits had really beat the snot out of each other already. <laughs> nice. And uh, I went in and cleaned them up. And then, you know, took whatever I could salvage there and then went on to Whiterun. And oh, cool. So the way that I kind of play that out is when he goes into these places, the first place he goes is to where the dead are. And so he goes to the House of the Dead. He goes to the cemetery there. He pays his respects. And because I'm using jobs of Skyrim, I also had an opportunity to talk to a priestess there who I was able to help actually inter the dead, prepare some of the dead for burial. Oh, nice. Which was pretty awesome. Perfect. Um, and then he did a little uh, praying there to RK, and then actually camped out for the night down in the catacombs. He slept in the catacombs. <laughs> so, so Jam it in there. If you hear that crack, you know you did it right. Yeah. And just scramble it around. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it was it was just really cool, though. Um, 
So the way I've been kind of playing this out is I'm just using, you know, the campfire mod and and just right. ro rolling out yep, a bedroll right in the catacomb and just sleeping there for the oh, night. Oh, cool. Yeah, because it won't set up the tent, but it'll it'll mm -hmm. set out the, the bedroll. Exactly, which nice. is perfect. Very cool, yeah. So I got some screenshots of that. And so at that point, it was just kind of um, hanging around Whiterun, getting some crafting done, getting ready for whatever was next. And so the way that I played this off was, so he's spending a, he's spending some quality time in the House of the Dead. <laughs> and I talked to, I talked to both priests there. One is a priest from the vanilla game. What city is this? Or in Whiterun. Okay. And so obviously one of the things that he's looking to do is locate his father. Now understand that in this sense, I'm not using finding his father as some big set piece. Um, Raiden knows his father's in Skyrim. He's interested in finding him to give him the staff because he wants him to have it, but not because he's dying to meet his father. Right. He's never had any connection with his father. All he knows of his father is that his, his father was a high elf, and uh, he figures that this man would probably want his staff back and might also want to know that the man he had a child with is now dead. So he has no emotional connection to his father. So I'm not using it as a, as a big storytelling thing. But I did basically, what I did is I, um, there, there is a character, I believe his name is Runil, who is also a priest of R.K., who is located in Falkreath. And so, and he is a high elf. So I basically said, that's his father. Oh, okay. And I drew him to that location <clears throat> by saying, he had a conversation with uh, the priest of R.K. and Whiterun, which informed him of where all these different houses of the dead were in the major cities and stuff like that. He learns of the one in Falkreath. He says, that's Runel. Oh, Runel's my father. That's where cool. he is. And so at that point, it was, okay, let's travel to Falkreath. And so uh, traveled there uh, by way of the main road. I didn't go the Helgen route. I went the other way along the lake. Okay where I also encountered, you know, more skeletons um, in a cairn or two along the way, which he dispatched, um, put them to rest. And then he goes and talks to Runil. And the cool thing about that, of course, is when you first arrive in Falkreath, uh, Runil's in the cemetery conducting a burial ceremony for a child that's been killed. And the parents are there and the whole thing, and you get this opportunity to talk to Runil. So I had a conversation with Runil and kind of played that off that, um, he identified with, you know, he identified who Runil was, but didn't tell him that he was his son. He didn't say that. He just basically had the conversation. It was a point of interest. And Runil, after their conversation, went trotting off to the tavern because it was around dinner time. Oh, okay. And while he was at the tavern, um, he went and worshipped at this little cabin. They don't really have a house of the dead there. They have a cabin next to the cemetery where the priest sleeps. <laughs> cabin so, of the Dead. Yep, Cabin of the Dead. So he went there and worshipped, and then he went inside and basically dropped off the staff on his bed, just left it on the bed. Oh, okay, cool. And then um, during that conversation learned that uh, Runil had misplaced something that was valuable to him and that that item was uh, in Bloated Man's Grotto. So at that point, camped out for the night and then... Did a little journey 
hoofed it over to Bloated Man's Grotto and fought my way through that and acquired the item. Uh, and then uh, the plan is to head back to Falkreath. Um, all of that business got me to level 12, you know, oh, yeah. so, yeah. Um, cool. you know, I mean, as far as next level plans, I mean, he has found his father, he's returned the staff. Um, I can, he, he kind of considers himself to be sort of free as a bird at this point, right? Now he's, he's free to pursue what he wants to pursue. And of course, throughout this thing, I've been able to take some steps, I think, from a role-playing perspective that have kind of helped me steer along the right path. One was, as soon as he was able to make his own armor, he made his own armor, um, and he made armor in kind of the the classic Redguard style. Oh, okay. And that was light armor, and he's ditched the heavy ar iron armor that he was using temporarily. And of course, then um, he also heard all the rumors about the Dawn Guard and where they're gathering, and about the vampire menace and all these different things. And um, during his travels, he was uh, he encountered vampires twice. Wow. Yeah. Once I one of the things I failed to mention is that you know I traveled to the river, and as I was heading up the river, um, he he stayed for a night in that abandoned shack along the river there in the wasteland. And then as I was heading further upstream the, the following day, I came across that lair. It's just a cave right off the river in the wastelands there. Inside, there's a crap ton of spiders, but there's also a little hidden coven of vampires mm. stashed away in there. Um, he went into the cave because he was sensing that there was something there. And if you look at the, at the write-up that I put together on the website... Um, I've got this concept on there that I'm calling dark intent. And because, you know, we all understand this game. We know where kind of the vampires hang out and where there's bad shit going on, right? <laughs> we know that. So when the character gets within those areas, I basically have a special die roll I do to determine whether or not he senses dark intent. If he senses Go it, then he it. goes in, right? Okay. Cool. And then each I time like he passes that location, the chance that he'll sense the dark intent goes up. Okay. It starts at ten percent, and so then he each time go he in passes, right away, it's yep, it goes up, up by ten percent. Eventually, he just is gonna pretty much cool. yeah. So I, I had to make that roll twice. So I made it. I made it once when I passed that lair. Well, actually, I made it three times. I made it once when I passed that lair, and it was successful. So he went in and he fought the vampires. Okay. Which is kind of amazing because it was only ten percent chance. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Went in, there were three vampires in there, killed them out, killed all the spiders, all that stuff. Um, and then when I was on the way to Falkreath, I rolled it again because I, I passed a broken down tower. And I know that at the top of that tower, there's a necromancer. Oh, okay. I rolled it again and failed. So I'm like, okay, he didn't well, sense anything and he'd go to Falkreath, right? On the way to Bloated Man's Grotto, I had to pass that location again. So I checked again, this time at 20%, and I got it. Okay. So I went up in there, and I killed that necromancer and the slave that she had raised. Okay. And found a third relic sword. Nice. So now he's got Dang. he's got three relic swords, one that he uses and two that he doesn't so want to use. what are those coming from? Those are coming from the mod that adds all of the... The Witcher swords. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I absolutely love because I, I love all of those blades. Witcher yeah. ones? The the Witcher ones, yeah. 
the good ones. Okay. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, I'm, that was uh, good. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for my my vampires to start popping up. I was uh, cruising through. I think it's at Dragon's Bridge. I left off. Uh-huh. Right? I was cruising through there, and I passed the guard. Here they're reforming the Dawn Guard. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Damn it. I'm going to start running into them bastards. Yeah, yeah. He he didn't say, here's a beacon. I dare you to take it. <laughs> I ain't touching that. <laughs> touching that shit? <laughs> touching that beacon. Yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of interesting. I mean, um, it was it was weird because... I thought, okay, he's an undead hunter, right? Um, well, not a hunter. He's a slayer, right? I, he, it's not I, – I see him in his culture as being somebody who is basically sanctified or authorized in his society to kill the undead. What I see as part of his journey as a character is going from being the slayer of undead to actively hunting and killing the undead. And in order for that to happen – he needs to have experiences that convey to him that the undead are a significant threat. Like, okay, I, I can't just stand back and wait for them to attack. I have to actually go on the offensive. So I've been kind of approaching the game with that mindset. And he runs across this first coven of vampires when he's literally like third level. And after I killed them... I went up to Mixwater Mill and decided to cross the river wherever it was most narrow there. And I was kind of walking across the or along the edge of the river looking for a place to cross when suddenly there were uh, two vigilants of Stendar right across the river from me fighting a vampire on the opposite bank. Wow. Okay. So cool. I immediately jumped in the water and swam across, right? By the time I got there, they already killed it. Right. But the vampire fell into the river and was floating down river, and he chased down the body and pulled it to shore and inspected it to confirm what it was. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, and then, of course, there was the necromancer. So um, the other thing I did, too, is when he, cr- when he passed Half Moon Mill, mm-hmm. I also made a roll because there are vampires— um, that are associated with the Dark Brotherhood quest line that are there. Oh, okay. And cool. I didn't, I didn't make that role. I failed that one, but that could be an interesting thing for the future because, sure. well, I, I think they don't present to you as vampires unless you're doing that quest line. Um, there are certain clues around the property at that mill that that paint a dark picture. What? Uh, so, what are you gonna do when you? Uh meet up with Sabeel. Hmm. Roll. <laughs> the court mage at Solitude. Yeah. Now, I think that I think that Raiden is uh he's he's smart enough and he's in control enough and he's disciplined enough that he wouldn't attack her attack her outright. Right. You know, and with with everyone in the well, court yeah, standing there. He's not but I could see him start to hatch a plan to try to root her out in some sure. way, which might be a great excuse to get engaged with um, the Patema quest line. Oh, yeah. Right? I could totally see him doing Patema. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I haven't done that for a long time. I love that one. That's a really cool one. And and that makes perfect sense for him because you, oh, yeah. you get to you know go into the house of the dead and work with that priest there, and he kind of fills you in on everything. Yep. I think that could be really good. So that 
that's my playthrough in a nutshell. Um, nice. I didn't I didn't record a lot of the specifics for uh, things I I invested in. Um, it's kind of interesting, right? Um, this character I have chosen not to invest in stamina, and it seems strange because he's a two-handed fighter, but I'm going to deal with it for now. Um, I think in the future maybe I will, but what I've been doing is investing primarily in health, and then uh, like every three levels I've been, pin I've been putting some points into Magicka. And I have a very specific goal with Magicka that my my thought on perks here is he's not he's not a person of magic because if you if you look at Redguard lore they really de-emphasize magic use in Redguard lore like there aren't a lot of Redguard mages um, for that reason it's kind of a cultural thing but there are some perks in the restoration perk tree that I think are particularly attractive oh, yeah. and I will be selecting perks that create passive effects mm -hmm. as a way of simulating some innate abilities that he's starting to acquire right. as an undead hunter. Well, there's also I so mean, if you if you go up to you and you get the right perks in two-handed, that'll help cut down on on some of the stamina drain. Exactly. In, exactly. In combination with items and yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, no, it it on the surface it it looks like you know that's going to be a, a tough hill to climb but if you if you look mm -hmm. start looking at what's available to offset right it. and you know what's really cool too is um i'm using imperious races right. which is also an ision and i've i've never actually played a red guard with imperious races and one of the cool effects for red guards in that is as long as you're not in combat you can basically run at a full sprint and never run out of stamina wow <laughs> now stamina starts ticking off as soon as you enter into combat. Okay. You start burning stamina. But basically that means that he is a guy who who could basically just run full sprint from one end of Skyrim to the other without it ever affecting his stamina. Wow. Which I love. That's you know. Nuts. It's very cool, right? So he will, you know, kind of be this this horseless warrior, right, who's running around doing these things. Um so you know, stamina for the purposes of travel and so forth is not an immediate concern. Uh, later on, it may become more of a concern, but um, I, I just want to probably invest in Magicka to a, a very specific point where I think I'll, I'll get kind of some of the benefits I need on the restoration side. Um, I'm not going to go out of my way to, to acquire spells in that area. I'm going to be very selective about spells that could be portrayed as passive abilities. Oh, okay. Okay. And I'm going to select perks that could be portrayed as passive abilities. Um, so at this point, it's pretty much about two-handed, block, light armor, and restoration, primarily. It's an interesting combination. Yeah. it And it's, it's kind of happened organically. I was looking for something interesting I could add to the typical warrior stuff, and restoration is what came up because it's got some really, some really great stuff that works well for fighting undead later on, even if you're not casting spells. Mm -hmm. And those are things that, you know, uh, I discovered and was able to test when I was um, playing Corvalane, who oh, was okay. really, really focused on restoration. Okay. So cool. he's going to take advantage of some of that other stuff. 
So I'm probably going to kick around and do some more side quests that I think are fitting, but eventually he'll hit the Dawn Guard material, I'm sure. And he's all his interest has already been piqued when he hears when he hears Durak tell him about Isran, he immediately recognizes Isran as a Red Guard name, and oh. he's intrigued now, okay. right? Nice. So he'll make his way there, and we'll see some of that stuff start to happen. So very cool. Yeah, that's my update, ladies and gentlemen. Sweet. I tell you. I, I packed a lot of fun into 12 levels. This was really great. I yeah, enjoyed it really immensely. Good stuff. Good I, stuff. So much. Um, so what we are going to do now is we are going to take a little bit of break. This is the end of Character Craft. We're going to take a short break, and then we are going to uh, jump into Community Craft, where we are going to read through some of your questions. We're going to address those, and we're going to get through as much of this material as we can. And then after that comes Level Caps, and homework. So we'll be back shortly. <laughs> <laughs> Level caps and homework. All right, it's time for Community Craft. We are going to basically go through everything here. We've got quite a few submissions. <laughs> Joe and I are, are leaping through this. I, I feel like a news anchor. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. All right, we've got uh, how many? Oh, we end up with pages I think about and pages. Twenty-four or twenty-five submissions, which is fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we just love this. All right, um, I will start at the top of the list, and and just so you know, this is kind of what we're doing. We we understand that we've we've basically got an hour and a half to get through these, and we, we don't want to just gloss over them, okay? There there are a lot of these in here that really present some fantastic questions we can all learn from. So we, we really want to take some time with these. So what we did is we went through the list and we first focused on anything that was kind of in the category of, of, of a question. Um, and when you post these, there are a couple of different subject line options in the select menu, one of which is role play question. Is that correct? Role play question. I that think is correct. <laughs> so we're focusing on stuff that is listed as role play question. Um, we're going to go through that first. If we have time left over afterwards, maybe we'll hit some of these other ones, which are primarily character updates, which is fine because when we initially rolled this out, we we said that we were accepting those in the form. We thought better of it later just because we were getting a lot of submissions and we were worried that we weren't going to have time to cover all of this material. And we've already um, extended this segment by 30 minutes uh, to make sure that we're giving it uh, the time it deserves. So we'll do our best, okay? But uh, I guess, you know, just to add into that, keep sending them in. <laughs> yes, we want. Um, we want. You know, there's there's going to be some weeks that there's just going to be a, a lull, so we'll be able to kind of get get into the backlog, if you will. So yeah, uh, we're we're definitely. I don't want to dissuade yep. anyone from, but yeah, in the same respect, we 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 want to try to hit some of these role play and the 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 questions 
first. Mm-hmm. Give those priority. Exactly. And, and uh, as Joe was saying, if your question doesn't get addressed tonight, we're going to put it in the backlog for the next episode. So we're going to try to go through these in chronological order. It's possible we may ditch some questions if we've answered it already, but I think the questions are going to get more intense and more interesting as we go up in levels and people get deeper into their stories. Right. So, all right, Joe, I will start with the first one here. All right. All right. The first role play question is posed to us by Packet Loss TV. Uh, his character name is looks like Morgan Teague. Would you say that? Morgan Teague. That's, um, that's what it looks like. All right. Uh, Packet Loss writes, uh, Morgan started in ragged robes and nothing else uh, in a very active imperial camp where everything is marked steel. Uh, he needs to start somewhere to get clothes and weapons. So he's somewhere near Frostflow Lighthouse, uh, Nightcaller Temple area, right? So we're kind of all familiar with Nightcaller Temple, I think. So how does he do that uh, in, in a situation where Winterhold and Dawnguard are, are, are Dawnstar are the, are the closest areas and he's basically wearing ragged clothes and has no shoes, no weapons, no nothing? That is the question. Um, I would say run like hell or <laughs> steal whatever you can. Um, I, I've had a, I had a similar experience. I was playing with Frostfall and I was also playing with, uh, the alternate start mod. And for some crazy reason, I decided to start in the, the, uh, sinking ship, the shipwreck <laughs> and the shipwreck Great happens in Frostfall. the sea of ghosts off the coast of Winterhold. Now, having gone through the ship, I managed to find two potions that protected me from frost. And basically what I did is I slammed a potion, I put on all the gear I could find, and I jumped in the water and swam like mad. Um, As soon as I got to shore, I slammed another potion and I just ran to the inn as fast as I possibly could and then kind of picked up my story. Once he got there, he had to try and figure out what to do. Right. Um, I had enough money to get a hot meal and, you know, was able to steal a few things and stuff like that. But that's how it started for right. me. So, yeah, I totally uh, can sympathize in this particular spot where, yeah. you know, you're in a camp where there's just little to no chance from the sounds of it that you can actually get away with stealing anything. And the moment you take something, you're going to have this whole camp coming down on you and you will be deaded in no time. Um, so that that's a rough one. Uh, one option that, if if it's an option for you in this particular case, uh, for this exercise, I personally have no problems if you need to console something and you are playing PC and can do so. So for this example, uh, you could have possibly consoled yourself foot wraps, for example. And 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 played off as you rip some cloth from your shirt to wrap your feet so that you could at least make it to one of the cities without your toes yeah. freezing off. Right. <clears throat> because uh, otherwise, yeah, with, without the option to buy something or mm-hmm. steal it without being slaughtered, uh, your, yeah. <laughs> the options in this scenario are really rough. That's an interesting question. And I, I think what's cool about it, though, yes, it presents um, – a bit of a challenge in terms of um, it. It's going to present you a bit of a challenge just in terms of how you play this out. 
But I think the other thing that's interesting about it is is the story that you're telling yourself about how the hell that happened in the first place. How did how did you end up there? You know, how did you end up there with nothing but ragged right. clothes on? What the hell kind of situation were you in? And how did they get you there? Or did they get you there and take away all your stuff so that you wouldn't run away? You know, or what, you know, so that's some cool opportunities there, I think. So, yeah. And if they did, then there might be a chance that you could maybe get some of it back or at least, you know, play it out as if you did. Yeah, I agree. Um, Even if you don't want to do the console or you can't, you can, you can play it out Mm -hmm. as if you did. Yeah. Um, Now, I know so many people have done so many wonderful character stories and backgrounds and, and updates and all this true. on the Discord channel. and So true. Um, I, I am woe to say that I am grossly behind in so much of it. But, well, yeah, I mean, I, uh, it's, it's, can, can it's we great all... to be, it's great to be in a spot where it's, it's, you're overwhelmed with so much stuff. Yeah. I think I think uh, we, we can all agree to give each other a break here as well. We can't we can't all possibly read everybody each other's content. Um, I I will say that I have actually sat down and read through um, the 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 full synopsis of um, at least three other characters, not including yours. Uh, so I you know I've been trying to take some of it in. Uh, one of the things that I've also been trying to do is get into the Discord and just pose some thought-provoking questions right. and then participate in responses to those things as people are kind of working their way through stuff. Mediator. Yeah. It, it's, moderator, whatever It's pretty fun. It. It's pretty fun just to to hear people's um, thoughts on, on yeah. why they're doing things the way that they're doing or, or whatever. So. Stu never reads any of my stuff anyway. No, which is great. Um, I, I, like, I like it because now that Joe <laughs> is doing the audio – uh, he's playing right to my strengths, which is putting in my earbuds. I'm really good <laughs> at putting in my earbuds. So um, there are very few times during the day when you don't see me with earbuds in or headphones on. So that's my craving for stimuli. <laughs> uh, you want to get the next one? Sure. Let's see what we got here. This is uh, this is in my way. Yeah, see, I, I'm, I am adjusting to my progressive lenses here, so I got to find the right spot. <laughs> the sweet so spot. My my <laughs> arms are no longer too short, which is awesome. Um, I was just saying to Stu that it was very cool on the uh, Discord because most of the time when I'm on there, it's on my phone. So whenever, whenever someone puts up a, a uh, um, emoji reaction. Some of those, I'm just like, what the hell is that? Mm-hmm. And so, like today, I'm looking, I'm like, oh, that's a staff, like a musical staff. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I know, because I could actually see it. Yeah, it wasn't just this little uh, tan or little the uh, gray dark square. All this time, I've been offended when it was just a <laughs> cluster of snowberries. <laughs> All right, this yeah. this comes from the wind. Uh, character t-line and by the way thank you for uh putting in the phonetic spelling oh my god Um, so if in doubt if you think we're gonna butcher it help us out Uh um i have a last name with a j that shouldn't be there so i I totally understand phonetic spelling (laughs) and the need for it um all right here we go 
I set a limitation so that my character would craft weapons she uses. No looting of weapons, armor off bodies. She found a relic blade and did not leave it behind, but I am torn as whether or not to use it. Torn as whether or not using it would be okay. Her goal is to eventually craft her beautiful sword as a sword singer would. So we have a self-imposed restriction of no looting, uh, yet right. she looted. Oh, it's God. like Matt making a random character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Was that low? <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So I guess <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to push forward, trying to push forward. <laughs> Matt, if you're listening, we apologize, but not a lot. <laughs> no, no. I should really be nicer to Matt. Well, what advice would you give uh, the wind? Uh, let's see. She found the sword and she didn't leave behind. And torn whether or not it would be okay to use it. I mean, it's not looting unless you pick it off a body, right? Yeah, I guess uh, I'm not sure where where then the the then it's finding. <laughs> um, yeah, I finders keepers. Damn it! <laughs> it's uh, only next to the dead body. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So, well, one, I guess. What about the what about the blade? What about it? What that attracted or or made? the character need to have it i mean was it you know something special to the character the character's culture ha she found it at a word wall and that's where my red guard found his weapons ah. as well well then it could be destiny it could be see in this case yeah i to kind of go back to what you were kind of saying a little tongue-in-cheek but not really mm -hmm. is you found it. It, it. You didn't loot it. You didn't steal it from a barrel. You didn't take it from a body or uh, someone's shop. Mm -hmm. um, it was like it was presented. Yeah, I. I guess I wouldn't have a problem with it. I. I think the coolest. The cool thing is to take a look at where you found the weapon. Take a look at what the weapon is called. Look at what it looks like. Right. The experience of finding it and see if that can somehow be folded into your character's kind of legacy in some yeah. way. I, I mean, mean, what brought you to, yeah. to the word wall? And, yeah. Um, can the can that be tied into the, to the yeah. blade or the name of the blade? And Yeah. I, I think so of that as an opportunity, right? To right, do right. something especial. So I'm not playing with any mods that add relics per se like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, I can't speak from personal experience on that. But uh, yeah, finding something like that at a word wall seems like it would have a fair amount of meaning. Right. As if you were supposed <laughs> to find it. Now I'm interested, right? Like if she found this at a word wall and I found two swords at a word wall, Are you gonna plus hold? I got a third, like I'm going to be just bristling with swords. <laughs> Before too long, like, what am I going to do with all these, you know, and now do I need to find an effing home for every single one of these swords? I'm going to have like 17 followers. If I do that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe my plan will change. I don't know. 
But I, we we hear you. We hear you win. Us red guards need to stick together. I say we keep the damn swords. <laughs> 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 All right. The next question comes from Mr. Dennis Wade. Dennis Wade. Characters called innocent. We shall see about that. <laughs> um, Dennis poses some interesting questions having specifically to do with nocturnal, Joe. Correct. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, his theory here is as follows, and I, and I will um, paraphrase, of course. Um, so he's talking specifically about nocturnal, and he says... It was said that her thieves were blessed with supernatural powers and skills to help them in their endeavors to collect wealth, wealth that the guild shared with those in need. Like me, wealth in every like me, wealth in every city, nation and society has always has always been held in great amounts by those who lusted after power, for wealth is power. Power to buy kings and armies, power to control who made the rules, power to exploit others. Uh, it had always seemed so to me, and I suspected the hearts of men would not soon change. So the idea here is, um, is my character correct in his thinking about thievery being a noble calling of every man who calls out for justice? And my answer to that question is... Sure. I think that has genuine merit as 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 a philosophy. I think it I think it has plenty of merit. And I think under the circumstances, here's the thing, right? Um, we see it all the time, every day. All you got to do is look at your Twitter feed or look at the news. We see people who um, find ways to rationalize or justify their way of thinking or their way of seeing the world. And I think this is not only a good way to role play a thief, an interesting way to role play a thief, but I also think it's kind of, you know, perfectly human thing to do. So I, I love the idea. I think it's a fantastic idea. Now, one of the questions would be if these are the circumstances. What you're talking about is is a a person who is a thief who specializes in thievery, but who apparently all also has a conscience, someone who understands the concept of justice. So, as a role player, I would think that would impact your thoughts and your deeds. You know, in in terms of like who you were going to steal from, there would be some people who would be off limits. Right? It doesn't sound like your character would be altogether a complete scoundrel where you're going to, you know, steal out of the beggar's cup, right? That's mine. That's what he does. That's what I yeah, do. Yeah, that's what he does. So this sounds to me like a discriminating thief who cares about who his targets are. Kind of Robin Hoodish. Um, exactly. So uh, I, I think this is a sounds like a great way to role play a thief, a lot of fun. And I think part of the magic of this would be making sure that you put yourself in situations where the character might be conflicted. You know, is there someone who is rich, who has something uh, that is very, very attractive to you and you, you love the idea of stealing it, but what lengths is your character willing to go th to to find out whether or not your conscience will allow you to steal from this person? Well, yeah, I guess so. kind of maybe said another way is there, there could be 
individuals with a great amount of wealth, but might perhaps be doing good yeah. with that wealth. What if that nobleman is running a homeless shelter? Are you going to steal from him? You know, I don't know. Uh, you got to let your conscience dictate that. Do that. That screwing with that kind of stuff in the role play is what makes the role play magical. So, you know. Yeah, it kind of puts you in a in a, mm -hmm. in a quandary at times on on exactly how you would deal with it. Exactly, and I think the part of the cool thing here too is yes, say let's say your character is pretty militant about making sure that the people that they steal from are worth stealing from in terms of their conscience. Well, I think the easy thing to do is to have your character traipse around and, you know, spy on people like Eriker, for example, and say, okay, he's a, you know, he's not only is he a nobleman who's rich, but he's a despicable person who treats other people like dirt and I'm going to steal from him. That's that's a good role play thing to do, but I would say also that it's the easy thing to do. So don't do that over and over. Have your character actually screw it up. Have your character steal from somebody that they think is a bad person only to find out afterwards that they're good. And then what does your character do to fix it? You know, there are all kinds of opportunities there if you allow yourself to screw up. Um, well, yeah, I guess I think you, you cool. could even take the uh, the flip side of that and perhaps there are... Uh, less than wealthy, who per came across something maybe that oh, yeah. they shouldn't or don't deserve to have. Right. So maybe it's your job or you feel your purpose is to return that item back to the person, even though the original owner uh -huh. may be of a much more influential status. Right. You know, could be an urn or whatever. Sure. Whatever. sure. No, I like that. I like that a lot. So there you go. Next. Uh, let's see. I am going to. He he of the lost packet is next. All right, all right. He snuck one in there. He's he was our first. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna get back to the packet, but all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's see. What what does the packet have to say? And again, this is Morgan Teague. <clears throat> What is the... Oh, this... Yeah, we should have skipped this one. This is much too heady for me. <laughs> what is the most insignificant thing that has happened in-game that has turned out to be a major plot item in your stories? Uh, it could be anything. Event, location, item, etc. Um... <laughs> Oh, I can think of one. Okay. So, okay. This actually happened in... God, I'm trying to think of what character it was. I think it may have been Etienne, so I think it may have been actually part of the passage. Okay. So one of the things that I frequently do if I'm playing Skyrim for the purposes of recording is I will... I will record some episodes or I will record footage that will be made into episodes and then I will create a hard save. And then at that point, I will play forward while I'm not recording. And I use that, that play forward time as a way to kind of scope out the path ahead. 
And as we all know, if you've watched the passage, one of the things he does is he gets into kind of uh, sort of a pissing match with the Blackbriars. Oh yeah, at some point, yep. right? Yep. God, I and I, I'm pretty sure it was during that. Did no, it have to do with that no, horse? No, no. What it actually now that I think about it, it wasn't Etienne. It was it was a much it was a much older character. Um, it was um, one of these occasions where I used alternate start to start a character that was um, starting out in the thieves guild faction, and you just appear out of the blue in the cistern. You're already there. That's where it drops you if you choose that option. And this character was actually. Um, a wood elf, and his picture is featured on the website um, for the very first episode of this podcast. He has an all-white makeup on his face and oh, a red whoa. circle on the forehead. The, that whole thing was, the deal was oh, for me, is yeah. like, okay, he has amnesia, and he, he just appears inside the Thieves' Guild, right. and there's no explanation for it. So the first thing that he does is he goes out and he starts to try to make a buck as a thief. The first place he breaks into is the Blackbriar's house, literally at level one. <laughs> he breaks into the Blackbriar's house, the first thing he does. and uh, he Yes, that was Circle. Yes, yes, that's right, that's right. And he breaks into the Blackbriar's house, he goes down into the basement, and he finds inside of a locked room the place where Maven Blackbriar does her rituals to the Dark Brotherhood. And that event set off a whole chain of events that caused him to, you know, eventually come to the conclusion that Maven Blackbriar was trying to kill him. So oh. he saw those things, and then he started getting attacked randomly on the roads by assassins, and all these things started happening. Um, he screwed up some of the things in the Thieves' Guild quest line and got in trouble with Maven, and then he was he was sent off to do the um, the Haunting Brew Meadery thing, you know, and of course goes down underground only be to be attacked by this crazy high-level mage, which he also assumed was him being set up to be killed. And it kind of had this snowballing effect of paranoia. And I played it that way, and it was pretty fun. So, nice. But it all started with that one event where he opens the locked closet, and boom, there's the there whole circle of candles and all right. the, the things and the stuff. stuff and the, and the, the, the things. And... Yeah, you know. Yeah, I know. So that's my story. I cannot. I, I just can't think of anything right now. Uh, anything. Yeah. I mean, well, I, the most current, I guess that would be something similar, would be deciding to do the Bard's quest. Yeah. Because I totally was not planning on doing that at well, all. What was the trigger there? Was it just passing the place or there's something else yeah. that happened? No, just kind of passing it. Okay. I mean, because I I went in and I got all the the rumors and gossip and all that from the oh okay from the winking skeever yeah the, the innkeeper there. So you kind of had so, had the seed planted you know, was, in your head a little bit. It was there bit. that they were looking for members, and right. I passed over it. And I'm like, that's it. All right, we'll do that. That works. Um, that's the most current. I know I've had others 
but I just uh, for some reason I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Hmm. Well, what about this? What if you what if you thought about getting me another beer? What about that? Oh boy, I don't know. <laughs> Fine. Thank you. <laughs> now this is not Joe doing my bidding. He doesn't do that anymore. We've been all through this. He used to. Sure feels like it. <laughs> You're just closer to the cooler, I guess. Uh, I mean, if you want me to reach for it, I can. That's not a beer can. <laughs> Those aren't pillows. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, next on the list, uh, we've got Revenge 72. Um, and we've got a character I think is pronounced uh, Lunar Tress. Lunar Tress or Lunar Trace? I'm going with Tress. All what right. do you think? All right. Tress of May. Right. So I get my shiny Ooh, hair. La la. <laughs> Joe is like the captain of ancient jingles no one's heard in a long time. Captain Jingle. If it's irrelevant and little known, <laughs> Joe will know all about it. At least parts. All right. So, uh, um, Revenge of 72 writes, I rolled a Khajiit for my character. I selected random start, ended up in a tavern near Dawnstar. I came up with a backstory of me wanting to find my lost relative, Maik the Liar, and bring him back home. But I just ran into him at level 11. Oops. How do I continue the game since the reason for being in Skyrim is finding him? <laughs> you won. You won. You won you... Skyrim. <laughs> you are the first ever to win Skyrim, sir. Good job, man. Um, I'm going to put you up on a plaque on the wall. What I would do is may maybe come up with some uh, really interesting and clever way to sort of tell the story that Mike doesn't want to be rescued. You know, maybe maybe Mike's like, "Hey, I'm fine just how I am," or maybe he's maybe maybe your character is is um, maybe you're looking for Mike Smith, and he's Mike Johnson. You know? or, <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I guess perhaps. Perhaps Mike is a twin. Mm. He is a liar. Maybe you True. found the wrong one. Yeah. But he's leading you on to believe that he's the right one. Yeah. Yeah. Because he thinks it's funny. Well, yeah. There's really no other reason that he's he's having one over on you. That's right. He's saying, I am not Mike. I am Mike. <laughs> <laughs> not Mike. I am Mike. <laughs> The inflection is all different. Yes. You forgot the eek part. <laughs> eek. <laughs> so, I am not a liar. I do not wish to be rescued. Go away. <laughs> uh, that, well, I mean, it's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> I <hate> the truther. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I would come up with something clever there. I, but I think... Personally, I mean, if, if I was hitting that kind of a roadblock, I'd probably start with Maik and say, what would the reason be that Maik would basically say, no, F you? Or maybe there's some reason that Maik can't leave Skyrim. Come up with some interesting reason, like, what is it Maik does? He shows up in strange places around Skyrim. Usually on the road. Professing knowledge and... 
could you engineer a scenario where Mike was doing that for a reason? Or right. maybe Mike is in search of something and he refuses to leave Skyrim until you help him find it. Well, yeah, I was going to say, let's let's tie in the last one with this one. And yeah. maybe there's a little nugget in the dialogue that you can mm. pull something out of. I don't yeah. know all of Mike's dialogue off the top of my head. So, yeah. As a matter of fact, I don't know any of it. Well, it's all lies. That's what I hear. You know, I mean, really. <clears throat> so, <laughs> that, I don't know. That's that's what I'm thinking. Start start with Mike yes. and try to figure out what his motivation f would be for either not being able to be rescued or not, not wanting, wanting to be to. rescued. Yeah. Yeah. There, see where that leads. Could be that he, you just need to help him. Yeah. Maybe you just need to help him do something or find something. But Mike or, is too proud to ask. Yeah. Or maybe maybe he's wandering wandering Skyrim like a soulless automaton espousing this knowledge because someone has stolen his soul and you need to recover the soul gem. Uh, there you go. And the soul gem is in the soul cairn. In the soul cairn. Oh, my God. But I'm not sure which one. Which one of the soul cairns? No, which one of the soul gems in the soul cairn? you got to test them all. Yeah, you got to look gotta them all. you got to find every soul gem in the game. That, that's how you, you gotta beat... find every one in the game. That's how you beat this game. <laughs> you find all the soul gems. Well, fortunately, it would be reduced to just black ones, right? Uh, I suppose. So that, that cuts down like your cheating, looking. But, all right. Sure. And they'd all have to be full, so that cuts it again. Right. So, I mean, you're almost there. <laughs> okay, so find all the black soul gems. That, that is our answer. Not empty. That is our fabulous advice. <laughs> All right. Now what? Uh, my, your turn. Is your it turn. my turn? Okay. Yeah. Where do we land? Colonel Dave. Yes. Playing a nanikanagagawagan. I don't think that's right. Uh, I'll let you pronounce that. But we've got two questions from Dave, so I will get to pronounce it myself right. eventually. I'm going to go with... <laughs> What? Nothing. Just get on with it, hey? Get on with it. <laughs> get on with it. Sounds like an execution. Ananian Alkinian. Oh, I like that. Well done. Ananian Alkinian. That's what I'm going to say. Well played, sir. Or it could be Ananian, but that sounds kind of yeah. I'm going with Ananian. Okay, got in it. In hopes that I just didn't insult the actual real pronunciation. <laughs> I love this, Joe. I'm going with. <laughs> it's fabulous. <laughs> Nothing. <clears throat> Did I mention how much I really appreciate phonetic spelling? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, I think we've yeah, we've milked that. Jazzed Colonel Dave enough. I guess. All right. For now. When starting a <clears throat> clearing your throat, you should always turn away from the mic. And turn towards your friend. Yes, because he doesn't care. <sighs> He's a true friend. <laughs> when starting a role play character for Unbound, what percentage of the decisions made in the direction of the character story are made beforehand, and what percentage are improvised based on events? What's the most surprising and dramatic change you've experienced in a character? Hmm. Na, 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 na. 
So I we were talking about this first part earlier, mm-hmm. um, and I think it came down to what, uh, according to our calculations, it was about 17% beforehand and about 83% <laughs> after. Right. So precisely. All right. So that's that. <laughs> God, we're dicks. We are dicks. But Why do you people even watch this? At least we're big dicks. That's true. <laughs> All right. Metaphorically speaking. Um, well, yeah, of course. Okay. Um, you know, I think it's kind of like it's getting to kind of your, your backstory versus what actually happens to you is kind of yeah. kind of what I'm yeah. reading. So in the very early stages, I would say it's the the vast for me personally, the majority is is backstory, uh, but that rapidly becomes lopsided towards whatever the game gives me as I play. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, my backstory in this case for Unbound was driven by the location that he got dropped in. Right. So in that case, it was all the game driving it. Yep. Uh, from there, you know, is when I started picking apart wherever I ended up, why did I end up there? And then I kind of took that and started going with it. Right. Uh, based on, sense. on on where the start came from, which I yeah. almost immediately <laughs> threw out the window and <laughs> started you know, yeah. following what the game gave. Yeah. Um, as far as percentages, boy, I, I don't even know how I would break that down. Yeah, and I, you know, I, the percentages are probably less important than the right. concept right. overall. I agree with you. As far as Unbound goes, um, it was all 100% after the character. So, and that was part of this exercise, right, is give me a character and then let me respond. However, in, in I would say, with past characters, it's been kind of all over the map. So if I look at my most recent character, Itastag, right? Um, I had some strong ideas going into it, how I wanted him to be. Uh, I go, I went in knowing that I wanted to create a barbarian. That's what I knew. I knew that I was trying to create a character who would be interesting for the story and was going to fill a very specific role, and I wanted him to be a barbarian. But um, I had picked out a name, Itastag, and I thought, man, that that's a cool name. That sounds like where, it's right out of, out of the Vikings. Where did that come from? Um, it it came out of the fantasy name generator. Oh, cool. Um, and One it of was, my favorites. Yep. It was an amalgamation. Like uh, I ran the name generator, found something I kind of liked, and then ran it again and found something else I liked, and I mashed them together. Okay. Yeah, I do that quite yep. a bit actually too. Yeah. So, so w- with him, again, I mean, it was a situation where – I knew the concept that I wanted going in, but had no details. Okay. So it wasn't until I got into the character generation screens and started creating his look and stuff that I started to figure out, you know, started to formulate who he was. And then a couple of days later, then I started playing with it at the tattoos and started customizing. And then after that, kind of picked a hairstyle and kept just kind of rolling okay. forward with it. And so Idastog has kind of come together over, say, four weeks or so of just a little work here and a little work there. And, you know, it's kind of come together. Um, there have been other occasions when I knew very much what I wanted to do going in, say, 50 percent. 
because I had a very specific idea about um, some perk and spell combinations I wanted to try, for example. And so I knew that going in, I was going to focus on this, you know. Um, but a lot of times that that has more to do with the mechanics and less to do with the role play concept itself. So, you know. Yeah, I, I would say that for the current Unbound character I have, uh, same thing. <clears throat> uh, everything was driven based on what... I ended up with from the game. So uh, as far as my looks came, uh, I hit that preset and that was it. I'm like, that's the guy. Yep. Uh, I just like the whole look yeah. about it. Yeah. Kind of that. <laughs> I like his look. Little suave kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a good look. So He's got the perfect look for the personality you gave him, I think. Yeah, and it was all driven by random rolls really That's i mean awesome. i i yeah. did literally just roll i think a 10-sided for the preset and that's what i ended up with mm -hmm. so yeah that was that was perfect and then you know from there i just i dug up the brine hammer uh just because I, I i took a look around to see what was on that coast yeah i'm like this guy looks like a pirate he looks like a swashbuckler so what's on this coast where he ended up? And the brine hammer isn't too far off. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I started <clears throat> looking. Actually, I think I started looking for ships first. And I came across that one, uh, which didn't have any kind of a, a backstory to it. Uh, it's mm -hmm. just kind of a, an ambiguous shipwreck. Yeah. Uh, and it happened to be really nearby to where I started. So... Yeah, that's why I pulled that in. So it, it's good, uh, and then everything from there on out. Yeah, I don't know. I think part of what makes this process so much fun is that is how organic it can be, and that's why <clears throat> I I used to go into stuff like this with all kinds of background information and big plans, and that was for me that was a holdover from playing tabletop role playing games where you kind of have to have that shit worked out. Right. But my favorite thing about playing Skyrim is is having a loose concept and letting the game help me figure it out. That to me, that's where the joy comes from. Well, and so, two, I mean, that's really that's what the game does best. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have a hardened, unyielding concept and idea, it becomes frustrating sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because the game. <clears throat> at some point will not allow you to do something that you just might be married to. Yeah. Uh, so then you got to change plans. Yep. Yep. And that's so what I think about. If you go into it's it a good little to looser a little with maybe a, a broad idea, but then be flexible enough to, to kind of roll with the punches. Yep. That's, that's kind of where the magic is. Yeah. Uh -huh. I agree. I agree. Uh, Colonel Dave has uh, another question, a follow-up. Uh, of course, many of us have played Skyrim over and over, yet the character is seeing it for the first time. What tips and tricks do you recommend that keep you in the character's perspective and not just your own perspective? Um, you know, this is a problem that does not plague me, and I, I think it's probably because I have a really... 
um, overactive imagination. We've talked about this kind of stuff before too. Like I'm the sort of person who's not bothered by spoilers, you know, stuff like that. I, I, I still get like full enjoyment out of a movie, even if I know what's going to happen before I walk in. That stuff's kind of never bothered me. So slipping into the character mindset is usually not much of an issue for me. Um, in terms of, of tricks though, if this is an issue for you, and you're finding yourself kind of slipping out of that. I think um, play rules can be one way. Setting some play rules for yourself that help you respond to certain things you may already know but want to pretend you don't know. Um, and so I think one of the things that makes the game sort of fun and challenging is to set these play rules. Um, we're kind of doing that here. I mean, it's in sort of a loosey-goosey way. We're just saying, do a random start and respond. But I think um, a lot of times, um, role players, especially if you've played the game over quite a few times, you kind of come up with these play rules in your head sometimes without even realizing it as a function of your role play, where you right. say, my character is not going to do these things or is going to do these other right. things. Um, um, so one of the things that came really easy to me were some basic play rules for Twist. However, play rules have come to me much harder with Eidostog. Like, because Twist was such a quirky character, it was kind of like, oh, he hates goats and cooked vegetables and flutes. <laughs> and everything's open. Right? And I mean, at that point, I was trying to pick some random things. Right. And I thought, I'm going to pick these weird, oddball, random things, and I'm going to use the story to kind of help right. identify those, maybe explain them a little bit, stuff like that. Whereas with Eidostag, I felt like I had to do the opposite. Um, when he when he washed ashore, he because of the type of zealot that he was, he needed to have some stuff kind of established a little bit well, kind of goes, from day one. goes back to my earlier comment where the more rigid – the more rigid you are to a play style or a character, the more difficult in a lot of ways it can be. I mean, everything is, is laid out and spelled out for you, but now you right. got to figure out how to make that work. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's kind of where you are with Eidostog is that yeah. you have a specific concept in mind and a manner, you know, mannerisms for him. Right. And, and now you're trying, you're trying to make it all work. Yeah, I mean, the, the specific struggle that I was having, I think I've overcome it. But the specific struggle I was having with Eidostag was figuring out how to portray his spirituality. And so um, I did a bunch of, you know, research on the lore and all this kind of stuff, and nothing was helping me. I went in and did a bunch of play testing. I looked at a bunch of mods on Nexus. Nothing was helping me. And in the end, I found the solution by doing a bunch of research on um, on the religious traditions of the ancient Nords. Not the Nords, but the Nordic people, the Vikings. And I, I learned a lot about um, the rituals and stuff that they did. Um, and, you know, animal sacrifice was a big thing oh, okay. with them. Um and that is going to be a big thing with Eidostag as well. And so I was looking at stuff like that and saying, okay, that makes sense. Now, 
is that something that can be portrayed in the game and how? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, I can do that stuff. I just had so. this thought of making goats to be the sacrificial animal. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Twist. Yes. We'll be all for that. Yes, <clears throat> maybe that's so. how they meet. Uh, and yeah. hello to the weasel of dirtiness who has joined uh, us. Welcome. Welcome, Cal. So, yeah, it's all about trying to get in the character headspace. And yep, exactly. It can be done. Sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's not. Um, there were a lot of aspects of Eidostog that were easy for me, but that spiritual piece was really hard. Um, it took me some time to figure that out. So... And I went right down to the wire. Like, I was looking, hey, I've got some time on Sunday to actually start putting something together, but I got none of these effing questions answered, you know? So <laughs> it it took me some time, but yeah. I got it eventually. All right, next. Next, is it mine? Uh-huh. All right. This comes from Adair 57 Strudel. There's even um fünfzig Stürde. Mortal, mortal grow usgul. Sounds like you're still speaking German. Yeah, feel, <laughs> it feels like it. <laughs> mortal grow Morzul. Morzul grow usgul. Yeah, yeah, you got it. We'll go with that. <laughs> That's Morzul a... returned to Skyrim, hoping to return to Nazlburr his birthplace. He is a former hunter, but has lost an eye and was hoping to mine in order to be useful. He was tricked, or so he believes, into entering the chief's longhouse without permission, and then cast out with fire and axes. While in Whiterun, he was attacked and called Orc Filth. Both events have left him bitter, and he holds a grudge. The roleplay questions are these. Who would he seek out to help him become a hunter once again? Would he seek the favor of Hercene or some other Daedric prince? And, number two, will he seek revenge on Nazalbur? Narzalbur, excuse me, Narzalbur. He has been cast out of his home twice now, once as a young orc and once as an old orc. If so, how will he go about doing that? Hmm. With anger and axes. <laughs> Fury and flame. <clears throat> Fury and flame. So, yes. okay, so he is, this is an older character uh, from yeah. the start. And yeah. And we've seen his picture. Trying he to get away. Older. I, trying to Trying to get away from the old orc seeking a good death motif that has been presented uh, in multiple places in mm -hmm. Skyrim. Um, so who would he seek to help him become a hunter? So I don't know. I mean, I guess the question is, I guess it at lower level, I see it being more of a mundane kind of thing. <clears throat> you know, not... I need to be a hunter. I need to get out there and find me a hair scene. I right. I think it seems more of a practical yeah, life necessity. Like maybe what I need to do to be a hunter is get out there and kill me some animals. 
<laughs> you know, um, but I, I think what she's getting at here is when you think about people living in an orc stronghold, right? I mean, they subsist based on what's around them. The role of a hunter has got to be very prized. To me, it seems like what we're saying here is not the fact that he's hunting, but that he's he's a respected member of a society in which hunters are highly, highly valued. Right. Right. And so what is he seeking here to be a hunter or to be respected again? Right. To regain a, yeah, to regain right? a position of, of respect right. or, or, you know. Yeah. So when I, when I boil it down, that's what I see is right. he's not, he's not after being a hunter. He's after, he's after being, becoming a, accepted, afforded the respect he believes he deserves. Right. Uh, and how does he get that? Right. So given that context, I can understand why she's saying, you know, raising the hair scene question. Right. Right. Like. So, yeah. And the her scene thing, I guess it, it really kind of boils down in some respects to how does Mortzul how do how does he he view Malakath and mm-hmm. and his stance in Malakath's eyes? So does he mm-hmm. does he feel slighted or abandoned, mm-hmm. or does he feel like he needs to prove himself, and that yeah. Malakath is testing him? So I it depends like that. on it depends on how the relationship with Malakath will will greatly drive. Yeah. Whether or not he's going to seek out another Daedra to help him, right? <clears throat> Such as her scene, uh, which would be the the most um, yeah. Well, obvious choice. Here's the thing, right? Uh, that to me, I I think what I have a problem with is this leap straight to her scene. I think what 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 you need in between is some kind of middle ground, right? Like, where does he start? Where does he start? He he is obviously at one point was a hunter, knows how to hunt. That's not the problem. The problem is that he's been shunned by a society and all his respect is gone. Right. Right? He, he wants to regain his, his position. Well, he wants to, to regain someone. it and he's got something to prove, right? And if he's an older guy, he's basically saying to himself, I can still do all this crap. You know, he's, right, he's saying, right. I can still do all this stuff. I can fight circles around you people. You just got to give me a shot at it. If, if that's his mindset... I could see him doing a number of different things. And one of the things that comes to mind for me is some extreme stuff where he would say, screw this, you know, um, I'm joining the companions. I'm going to, I'm going to go and I'm going to fight alongside these young bucks and I'm going to make them, I'm going to prove to them that I can keep up with them, that I'm every bit as strong as I've ever been. Right. I could see that. And and then see where that leads, right? Mm-hmm. What that turns into, um, and I, I think there's other ways that a person right. could do that too. Uh, certainly, you could bend the civil war to that as well, maybe even. Oh sure, yeah. But any any kind of any method to prove your worth. Yeah. Um, the downside of the companions, as as mentioned, was. The mm-hmm. fact that you're going to be called whelp all the time. So, you know, is that? Oh, I is, love that for this character. Is though. that is that a demoralizing term that's worth yeah. going through mm-hmm. to prove yourself? Yeah, uh, perhaps. Yeah, 
Yeah. I, I think that's great. I mean, what it's like salt in the wound, right? Like it's it it's a classic, kind right? Where self-flogging. You know, he everybody thinks he's past his prime and he jumps he jumps in with these younger people who don't know him from anyone and he's scrappy and he fights for every inch of ground and they call him a whelp and he does the demeaning things but he keeps fighting for it and fighting for it. It's kind of like um, you know, the the older orcish karate kid, right? You know. <laughs> um right. Anyway, w- when I think of just opportunities to, to rise up from nothing to become respected again. To me, that's that seems like a pretty cool one. Like I said, I, I think you could bend the Civil War to do your to do your bidding as well, but that seems less likely. Um, you know, if, if he's a guy looking to prove himself and he's looking for the nuclear option, right? He's gonna look around and say, what's the most prestigious fighter guild here, right? I'm going to go and join them and I'm going to fight circles around them or I'm going to die in the process. Either way, if I die at the hands of, you know, someone who's who's um, part of the companions, I will have died well. Right. And otherwise, <clears throat> fuck you guys. I'm going to I'm going to do this thing. Right. I think that's so far as whether you would receive the werewolf gift. I guess I don't know. You might have to just kind of wait and play that one out. But that sort of folds nicely into the whole here scene question too. Oh, absolutely. So as far as uh, you know, revenge on Narzal Burr, I don't think it doesn't seem to me like it's it's a character that would take mm-hmm. revenge so much as prove yeah. himself right. So the best revenge I think he could probably take on Narzal Burr is to either become its chieftain or beat the chieftain and then walk away. Beat the chieftain in single combat, and then just leave them, leave them with a humiliated chief. Right, which would totally humiliate the whole yeah. clan and stronghold in the yeah. eyes of Malakath. Well, yeah. Well, also, weak. by the way, marching through their front door with a couple of his companion friends, saying, "Right, you know, basically flipping them the bird and say, hey, I have a new tribe.'" Go f yourself, and by the way, I'm going to beat up your chief and walk away. I'm uh, to me, there just seems like all kinds of opportunity in there, and that's just one idea. So I think you, I think you've got it. You got this. It's going to be good. I can tell. <laughs> right? I mean, I can tell. Shit writes itself, man. <laughs> Whoo! <laughs> Love it. Nice. All right. This one comes from Vic, ladies and gentlemen, Victor from the ASA podcast has joined us. This is fabulous. If you weren't aware of that, go out on iTunes, look up the uh, Skyrim Addict podcast. Vic is part of that crew over there. They do wonderful things. Listen to their stuff because it's amazing. He has created a character called uh, Harold Steelclaw, who is a Khajiit, a rather salty looking one. Um, let's see. Nicely done. All right, how much... uh, Okay. There's some background information for uh, for Harold at uh, theopen.world forward slash Skyrim. I won't copy and paste it here. Harold is an older Khajiit. He has a lot of... He's had a lot of rough times and some joyous ones. 
As I age in real life, I'm 60, I find myself playing older characters. I suppose that's natural. I'd love to hear what you guys think about playing aging characters. I think EJ Lowell's current series, Unblooded, is a great example. Shout out. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. That was fabulous. Interesting NPCs. Uh, includes a couple of examples, however. I find characters like uh, Volgus annoying and uh, a little one-dimensional. Uh, the Skyrim NPCs that fit the category aren't very satisfying either. Most of them seem to sit around and natter about the old days. Just because you're older doesn't mean you stop evolving. Okay. Questions. Does backstory become important in this case? Uh, what kinds of motivations are different? And he's talking about uh, would creating the character, the, the circles of association be more or less difficult? Uh, what questions am I not asking? And is the answer really 42? 42, yes, I can confirm that. I, I concur. Yep. So we'll... And the questions you're not asking are all the other ones. Correct. So with yep. those two out of the way. Yep. Uh, is backstory more important? Well, it certainly can be. Uh, I think, uh, as we saw in 57 Strudel's question, she's got a pretty colorful backstory for this character, but he requires it because he's older. He's had, he's had life experience, right? Right. So I think that's important. You know, um, my character doesn't have a ton of backstory. He's just got just enough backstory to give him the color I need. Right. But the character I'm playing is a younger character. I mean, he's in his late teens, early 20s. So he hasn't had a lot of life experience, and all of his life experience has been in one tribe. So I think in this case, yeah. Um, I well, think backstory is great. Yeah, I, I mean, even just thinking uh, of Marl. Yeah. So He's got a ton of backstory. Marl's got a ton of backstory, but yet... Yeah you've been able to realistically pull in why he's so low level when he yeah. started uh, right. just because of the lack of experiences in certain areas, but yep. he has a wealth of information in others. Right. And in, in Marl's case, his entire present day story is driven by his backstory, you know? Right. Right. So, uh, that's the cool thing about, an older character, right? Is there's these really amazing opportunities. Um, you know, every character experiences a different one. I, you know, I can't emphasize it enough. Like there's no wrong way to play this game. And, you know, there are some characters I go in with a, a pretty rich backstory and other characters I go in with none. And I can't say that I've ever had a role play experience that I didn't think was satisfying in some unique and interesting way. So I love the idea of playing older characters with a lot of history. I think Robard is the same. He's got a pretty rich backstory. Um, Marl's got a rich backstory. Um, I think that Sagramore had a pretty rich backstory. Mm -hmm. However, I've got other characters like Twist who doesn't have much of one. Mr. Wax is amazing. Mr. Wax, holy cow, the shit that he's done. Just I mean, ask him. He'll tell you all about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You may not understand all of it or any of it, but what? he'll tell you. So I think, yeah, I think 
Older characters are fun to play and they present a really unique opportunity for telling backstory, which can have a huge impact. Sometimes the, the, the role play rules or the game rules that we set for ourselves too are based on that backstory in some way. Yeah, I think uh, you know, Dirty so. Weasel hit on a good point or just a strengthening the point. How to shape the character, then let it shine. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yep. Uh, what kinds of motivations are different? Well, um, you know, I suppose that comes out in the backstory. What are the kinds of motivations, right? Um, the thing that's cool about older characters, and I think we express this a little bit sort of um, with 57 Strudel's character is that older characters might be more concerned about legacy. You know, what, what they're leaving behind for their civilization, their children, their tribe, whoever it is. I guess, yeah. I mean, as a player, as an older player, kind of think, you know, you could, you could start to think back of, you know, mm -hmm. what kind of things were important to you when you yeah. were in your 20s versus, you know, 50s, 60s, whatever. You're generally a little less brash. Or maybe you become more crotchety. I don't know. Yeah, I, I like the idea of becoming more crotchety. <laughs> of course you do. I resemble that remark. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I see that, like, you know, the, this idea of, hey, man, it's coming to an end here. <laughs> uh, maybe they got something to prove. Maybe they got something to make up for. Maybe they're paying penance for a life spent doing bad things. Maybe um, they, they're concerned about their legacy, stuff like that. Um, Robard, I see him as, as a guy who's looking to make his mark. Mm -hmm. You know, when he goes out, he wants to go out big, right? Right. And Marl is paying penance. He's trying to make up for what he, could, what he believes are his misdeeds. Right. And, and trying to make the world a better place. So... Um, and there's just tons and tons of opportunity right. in there. I think it's just fabulous. And Mr. Wack, well, it's just obvious. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, he just he wants everything purple. <clears throat> Who doesn't? I know, right? That's how Prince liked it. He, he Can't argue with that. He dug the purple. He did. He did. Um, would creating the circles of association be more or less difficult? Do you think he's talking about... A conflict? Uh-huh. Maybe that's we'll kind of what I read into it, but yeah. I mean, if that's the case, no, I don't think it would be. It would just be different. Yeah, I would agree. And we'll touch on that later. That brings us to... Arza. Yes, <clears throat> Arza. Bye. Which is easier to read than <laughs> the user. <laughs> God, damn it. <laughs> um, Pierre... Oh... Pirogadog. <laughs> you did your yeah, best. No. You did your best. Yeah, I, stick with a character name. I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to find some one. kind of French twist to put on it because it looks like it should, but I'm just so sorry. <laughs> Give me something in Dwemer and I can probably hammer it out. But <laughs> Joe is man, so sorry. This is just an utter and complete mm -hmm. failure on my part. All right. All right. Another orc. Orsimer Arza has taken a vow to never again touch a forge or use bladed weapons. I like that already. 
She fights with a two-handed staff. She came to Skyrim with no special abilities, but her first real adventure, she and Belrand found a Tome of Healing, and he helped her work through this very basic spell. Okay, with spell abilities. Hmm? No spell abilities. Oh, she right? came to Skyrim with no spell abilities. No Correct. spell abilities. Okay. So what I'm reading into that is that she just had no spells. Okay. No blades, no spell abilities. Someone helped her work through a basic spell. Got yep. it. Which she can now use. My challenge now is to decide how to handle Arza's ranged combat. I'm trying to let my adventures lead me to either bow or crossbow or to more magic. I could easily roleplay a scenario that has Belran mentor her in magic, but wondered what other ideas people might have and how to place the development so that it appears to be nat- to naturally follow the storyline. So, um, this is kind of more uh, a, sp- a sp- specific kind of ranged magic mm-hmm. versus bow versus crossbow. Mm-hmm. Um, well, crossbow, I'm, I'm actually fighting this, this particular one with crossbows myself. Oh, yeah, you kind of are, aren't you? Because again, like I had said earlier, I, I want my character to use a crossbow. It just seems more natural and more fitting of the persona. But at this level, there aren't any, and I haven't started Dawn Guard, even though I hear that they're reforming. <laughs> they are. It's in the old fort near Riften. Oh, is that is that? Yeah. I could, yeah. Could I join up if I wanted? Yeah, you just go there. Apparently. Huh. Yep. Sweet. Just letting you know. I'm totally going to be avoiding that. <laughs> <laughs> Vampires. Ooh, let me get closer. God, am I tired of that rumor? <clears throat> That's not fucking news. I already but, know. So, yeah, I'm. I guess my way around is I might actually just have to drop one in somewhere, whether it's into a, a mm-hmm. inventory of of a, a merchant or in a chest somewhere that I find. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to figure out a way to do that. Um, I could totally understand why he would not be able to craft one. I mean, knowing right. how to use something is not the same as making it. Right. Um, I know how to use a car. I couldn't tell you how to make one <laughs> just you know it's just not going to happen um, right even if it was just pedals but that's that might have to either you dive right into the dawn guard to to follow the the, yeah. the, the crossbow thing um you, you know it's like you got a good thing going here with the spell thing yeah, I actually I'm kind of liking that too because yeah. it's like this unknown, untapped ability. That's, yeah, I got. I gotta that's say just I like that's it. there. Yeah, and now you're realizing it. Yeah, I gotta um, say, I think I that like could it. be a lot of fun to follow up and. Uh, yeah, you, know, you got some really nice range destruction right. spells, but I mean, if you don't want to do damage per se, there's there's other ranged. Yeah, and I mean, if you're concerned Options. about the idea that you've already been kicking around with this person, who is it? Belrand? What was the name? Uh, Arza. 
No, what was the NPC that oh, was yeah, teaching? Oh, Bel- yeah, Belrand. Okay. Um, <clears throat> if you're concerned that maybe it's too easy or too obvious a solution or whatever, um, then I would find ways to make that solution more complicated rather than looking for an excuse to traipse off to the Dawn Guard or traipse off to see um, on, Angie or whoever, right, you know, right, Angie. Right. Um Maybe maybe find a way to make that work, you know? I mean, perhaps this person teaches you a spell that, you know, eventually you, you find unsavory, or perhaps you have an argument with this person and have to find a new mentor, or maybe you set some kind of a rule in place, you know, where <laughs> that you're going to try to you're going to try to learn from as many different mentors as possible and mix up the spells you're exposed to or something like that. I kind of like the idea of going down this track but finding another way to spice it up. Right. Um, I'm not exactly sure what that would be yet. That's another good point. Uh, Augment it with staffs. Yeah. Staves. Stavas. Stavas. Yes. Stavas Maximus. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, that's definitely another... Sure. Option. Maybe maybe you aren't gifted. Maybe maybe you aren't as gifted in uh, high level magic use, but you've got a real talent for artifacts such as staves. That could be. Maybe staves love you, and you can stave off your opponents, mm-hmm. and they congregate around you as if you were their shepherd. <laughs> That's kind of reaching, but you know. Yeah, well, you got to get that that walking staff mod. They had that where the well, staffs could well, follow you. Oh, I was thinking there is a, a walking staff in. Oh, in <laughs> no, I'm thinking like walk independently, okay, like just walking with little yeah, legs of their own. They like, just don't do that. Like the brooms in, um, in Cinderella Mouse. or whatever no, it is. The Mickey Mouse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know what, what you're talking about. Called? It's not Fantasia. Yes. Did they do that in Fantasia? No, 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 no not Fantasia. Well, what, I think it was part of Fantasia. Oh, I don't know. I don't know my way around Disney very well, which is crazy considering I have children. But, <laughs> um, so I... It was Fantasia. Thank you, Stroud. I don't know if we actually answered that question. I feel like we threw some stuff out there, but um, I like the idea. I like the track you're on already. And I feel like it would be more of an unnatural departure to say, I'm going to go off in the bow direction or the crossbow direction. That's kind of my feeling as well. it would be to have the person kind of become a specialist. Maybe there's another way that you can spice up this whole aspect of it and, and maybe make it uh, less obvious or something. That's the direction I would go with it, but that's just me. So I don't know. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Without, and and there there really is no need to to feel obligated to go into the Winterhold College either. No. Um. There's there are plenty of NPCs you can you can interact with whether they're mm-hmm. followers or not. That can yeah. I think help you refine mm-hmm. your 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 magical influence. Yes. You don't have to go to the college. Tis a silly place. College is not for everyone. <laughs> exactly. That's what they told me. <laughs> Turns I, out it was true. <laughs> wish, I, wish I had listened. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, okay. 
the next one comes from um, Colonel Dave once again. All right. Uh, do you guys think there is an inherent problem or advantage in playing more than one unbound character? Uh, variety versus focus. I do not think there is an inherent problem in it at all. Um, I think there's probably quite a few people here who have elected to create an unbound character but also play a backup because they're hitting the level caps quick and they want to continue having a fresh experience. Right. So I, I think that's absolutely fine. For the purposes of this exercise, I would don't overstretch yourself. Uh, make sure that you're not shortchanging yourself on the growth opportunity in the process by being spread so thin between two characters that you can't keep track of what you're doing. But no, there is no inherent problem in that that I see. No, you? I guess whatever you can handle. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. What he said, Joe and I, we we can't handle anything, but maybe you can. Maybe oh, no. maybe you got it figured out. I I don't know. Um, honestly, I'm kind of the same way. Like I've already said, right? I mean, I I hit the level cap in week one, and then started trying to work out um, my transition. What? What? We done? <laughs> Ten minutes. Try to work out. Ten <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Scared the bejesus <laughs> out of me. Um, I, I I started working out, you know, some of the stuff in in my transition from twist to Idastog, you know. So that was kind of took me off track a little bit. But what am I going to do? Not play Skyrim for two weeks? Obviously, we know. I'm putting out videos, so I'm not, I'm not sitting back on my laurels doing nothing. Um, and this game is kind of how I spend my free time a lot of times. So, so, yeah, I guess if anyone can speak to the idea of being able to play more than one character, <laughs> uh, I think Stu is probably a good a good spokesperson. Um I personally, myself, I generally will stick to one at a time. So, uh, my I have I have the unbound character, and then I also have Tanakh, and that's more than that's more than enough for me. Yeah, it's so good enough for Joe. It's kind of you know knowing knowing yourself as much as anything. It's good enough for me. What an asshole. Bobby McGee. <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> Sorry, God. <laughs> Just trying to have a good time on a podcast, God damn it. That's um, not what we're here for. Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. We're answering questions now. All right. Well, we, we hit the end of the questions. Actually, and we did. That was actually ex really good timing. Good timing. And, and we hit the end of our available time. We apologize if we did not get to your updates. We hit everything that was labeled a question, um, which is good. So, so we have a backlog of updates that we can yeah. lean on, but mm -hmm. please keep sending them in. Absolutely okay. do that. We need those questions. Will, they help to drive conversation. 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 Yeah. Right. Which is not to be confused with immersion. Immersion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is not nearly as immersive as it used to be. It's because now we have a black screen. Yeah. We went to a black screen instead of a green screen, and now look what happened. Everything's falling apart. 
well, what that does though is it is it takes us, um, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, into homework and level cap time. I believe that everyone has done a super excellent job. We appreciate the questions. They were all really good. I think the the fun here is going to be as we continue this exercise and start hitting higher levels. As, start, as right. people start ticking off those levels and checking those quests off the list and <clears throat> stuff like that, the kinds of questions we get as we as we hit the higher levels because now is – we're we're kind of tr getting up to speed with our characters. We're getting familiar, and it's when you start to approach level 20, 20 to thirty. Things start slowing a little bit. Leveling slows, <laughs> but that's also the time when you're thinking about things like, what are my character transitions? Yeah, you're so kind of really getting into the groove. Yeah, how you know are there events taking place now that my character is becoming powerful, becoming. Um, you know, pretty important that are, are there things that I'm going to be doing that help me reinvent this character or take them down different paths. So, you know, the the key is, you know, set a good foundation, but keep your mind open and just keep plunging forward and um, take it as it comes. So that gets us into the homework section now. We're going to be talking about level caps for next time around. So, um, Let's let's discuss the level caps first, Joe. Um, we had three weeks this time to get to the level cap, which was twelve. Um, our desired range was what eight to twelve? Eight to twelve. Yeah. Okay. Our desired range to, was eight to twelve, and our drop dead was level six. So, uh, Joe, what are our recommendations for? the next episode we this this time it's only a two-week interval it's a two-week interval i think yep. what we're going to shoot for is uh 20 to 22 uh with a a real minimal goal of 18. okay so six more levels for bare minimum shoot for 20 to 22. all right you heard it all yes. right that's the plan. And I guess really if if you've got some thoughts on on level caps, go ahead and and throw something in the submission and let us know mm -hmm. how it's going uh, or yep. in Discord. Uh, yeah. Cuz you know, the, the the more input we can get on 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 leveling and where kind of where we're trying to hit per show. Uh, the the better it's going to be. So right. If you've got thoughts, let us know. Yeah, and we'll hit you up in Discord too. We'll continue over the next two weeks to ask some more kind of probing questions, see how things are going. Uh, we had talked about the possibility of doing a poll to see how things are going for the level caps as well. Understanding, of course, leveling is going to be slowing down. For those of you who feel like you're leveling too quickly, um, maybe consider taking some steps as well if you want to draw out the gameplay. Make sure that you're not using any standing stones or magic items that enhance leveling and slow your leveling down that way a little bit too. Or just take your time, smell the roses, and focus on the role play a bit more than the combat and stuff like that. One thing that I have tried to do with this character is um, avoid, you know, um, like really aggressive crafting. 
um, reminding myself that I'm not necessarily in a scenario where I'm trying to grind. So that has helped a little bit. But I mean, even so, I still had no problem hitting that cap just with the combat and so forth. Right. So. And another good way to slow down is just do what I do and die a lot. Yeah. So you're you just can do reloading that. the same game often. Um, that that yep. will definitely put you back. Yep. Especially if you don't save frequently. Mm-hmm. And you've got to make up a whole lot of time. Yep. Um, yeah, that'll really step you back. Yeah. If you want, um, Joe is going to be doing a special uh, live seminar on how to die more effectively in Skyrim. Um, I think people would get a lot out of it. You know? Um, yeah, I'm totally we, not doing that. More of a death in our, death or in a our. die stream. I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> a die stream. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you can look forward to some articles in the blog. Joe's just so gone forth. dead on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got a two-week interval coming up here, but remember, at this moment... Uh, the bottom level is only six, and the bottom level for the next time around is going to be what? 18, did we say? Yes. The the absolute drop dead is 18? 18, preferably 20 to 22. Piece of cake. Piece of cake. You got this. You got this. And if your goal is to attend the live streams rather than watch the uh, recordings of the streams at your own pace, you can always cheat a little bit too and and level yourself up a little bit faster if you want to catch up with everyone. So, uh, you know, uh, it's not like, you know, it's not like uh, if you don't follow the rules, the unbound police are going to knock on your door at midnight. (laughs) So, uh, no, no, (laughs) nothing like that. These Um, are goals. They're not. Yeah. And the only reason we put these goals in place is because we just thought that, if our levels were all roughly within the same range, we're, it would help the discussion. Yeah, because we're so, all kind of having the similar experiences. And, and gen- yeah. when we're all in the same kind of area, then we can play off on all the, the variety. Oh, there goes the core Jesus. again. All right, Turn that shit off. That's enough of that. Yeah, we're going to do this organically now. And delete. <laughs> okay, so that gets us into homework, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is going to be interesting. Now, pay attention, ladies and gentlemen, pay attention. All right. Many of you will recognize this. These are the circles of character conflict. And Bullseye. These were also alluded to earlier by Victor. Um, we What we would like you to do over the next two-week interval is do what you have been doing, but also... <laughs> The unbound police. Um, what? Oh, the unbound police? Yeah. <laughs> they referred my the, oh, the yeah. arm as the <laughs> Yeah, they just kicked in the door. Uh, the fuzz is here. Put the controllers down. Yeah. Eat everything in the ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> so what we want you to do is we want you to do this exercise. I want you to create the circles of character conflict for your character. Now that you know a little bit more about your character, their backstory, the direction they're going, let's think about the circles of character conflict. Document that for your character, and we're going to talk about that a little bit in the next episode. So those of you who aren't familiar, um, I am, uh, I'll am. i put a link out there on Discord that will take you straight to an article on, a, on the blog on Character Crusade. Uh, about this, but I will explain it for you here now. 
Uh, these are three concentric circles to think about your character and think about who your character is in conflict with. And this helps you define who your character is from a personality perspective and also how they have uh, how they relate to people interpersonally and to society. So uh, at the center we have personal conflict. Who, uh, what is it that your character is in conflict with personally? Okay, and this isn't like immediate family or anything like this. This is what are their inner demons? What are the things going on inside their head or with their personality that they're constantly in conflict with? And the thing I like about this circle is it helps us think a little bit about your character's vulnerability and weaknesses. So um, what is it that is going on inside your character's head, right? Um, are, they, are they struggling with something that they're constantly in conflict with that causes them problems or um, defines their personality in some way. And this this can be something at a subconscious level as well. Correct. Mm -hmm. Very, very much so. Um, that brings us to uh, interpersonal conflict. So this is friends and family. These are the people who are in kind of an immediate circle around the character. Um, and these are people who could be actually in Skyrim, or these could be people who were part of your character's backstory. What is their conflicts with those people, and and where what do those conflicts stem from? Um, uh, you know, were there past transgressions? Were there just you know oil and water personality issues? Where are they in conflict with? Where do they have this? interpersonal conflict with friends and family, people in their immediate associate, their immediate circle, the people they associate with or did associate with at one time. So that, okay? And the next is societal. Where do they bump up against the edges of what's uh, acceptable in society? This can be somebody, obviously, the, the obvious choice is someone who's a criminal, um, someone like Robard, we can kind of see where he bumps up against societal norms, right, and um, comes into conflict. But it could also, we also see the, exactly the same thing with characters that you might play like a paladin. Where do they fall afoul of society? Um, if, si if society says that uh, we take less of a black and white view of people's religious beliefs, uh, but the paladin is very much a black and white person, and the gray it does not work for them. Maybe they maybe they run up against um, societal problems when it comes to things like religion or morals, um, you know, things like that. Maybe it, it could be something as simple as the law, or maybe it has to do with politics. Um, think about that. Some sort of code of conduct. Or... Exactly. And so, usually, what I do in these cases, I will just create a bulleted list: one, two, three. Um, personal, interpersonal, societal. And I will write down one paragraph that kind of describes how I think this character interacts with each of these things. And it does wonders to help not only define who your character is as a person, but how they relate to the people around them. And boy, does it help to define and sort of accelerate um, the the role play, I guess. It it really makes it immersive. It creates this really loose and interesting framework that every time you walk into a city, you'll approach it differently. 
than before you did this. So that's your homework. Come up with that. Um, if you've got questions about it, feel free to post those questions in Discord. You can address Joe and I directly if you've got questions about the mechanics of it. But there are also a lot of people in the community who have done this before and kind of understand how it works. So feel free to bounce your questions off of them. As I said, I will also post a link to an article that I wrote um, at the beginning of this podcast. Um, what? Two and a half years ago or whatever. It's on the blog out there in Character Crusade. Um, if you want to go and look it up now, since I don't have it posted quite yet, uh, just go to charactercrusade.com and use the search tool on the homepage and just type in circles. You'll find it. Um, and you can get all the information on how that works. It's got all the background information on how to do it, but also what it means. So that is the homework, my friends, for the next episode. So um, anything else, Joe? I mean, this has been, I feel like it's been a super productive discussion. You got it, man. I love it. No, I think, um, I think, blip, 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 that's all. I hate that it's over. Damn it. Uh, uh, but two weeks. I know. It'll two weeks. start all anew. It'll start all anew. And it means that I get to pick up this awesome character that <laughs> yeah, I really you can finally play him again. fell in love with <laughs> and play him again after two weeks of drought on this character. So I'm pretty excited about that. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, a uh, couple of quick things. If you're interested in getting involved uh, in this, it is very easy to do. You can go to unbound.charactercrusade.com and there you will find all the information and the play rules that you need to get started to create your character and get rolling. Also there you will find our submission form. And um, in that submission form, you can, you can use that to submit questions that we will read on the podcast. Remember, if you are submitting thought-provoking discussion-enhancing questions. Those are what we are going to focus on first. You are welcome to place character updates in there if you wish to, but understand we are going to focus on the things that foster discussion because that's what's given back to all of us. Think of this as your two-week check-in, and uh, we're, we're here to help answer your questions, keep you rolling, and, and you know help you have a better experience. You can look forward to more homework next week as well, so be prepared. Um, <laughs> Also, thriving community on Discord. Everyone's talking about this, posting updates on their characters. Get out there and do yeah, that as well. We'd love fabulous. to see you. Um, if you're following along with this and doing it in secret, what? Don't do that. Uh, get on Discord. Share. Yeah, go to discord.charactercrusade.com. Submit all of your information there. Uh, get your questions answered and socialize, you know, with, with everybody out there who's all doing the same thing. That's part of this exercise. We're all doing the same thing at the same time at roughly the same level. So that's what it's all about. That's all I got for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Anything else, Joe? No. You got it. All right. It has truly been a pleasure. We are very excited to be back doing podcasts again, and we are so glad that you are all here with us, and we're doing this together. I think we can look forward to much more of this. Um, the plan is that uh, Character Crusade Unbound, uh, the random the random character generation, season one, is going to go eight episodes eight episodes and then we're going to wrap up at eight episodes and we're going to start a new one with a completely different theme so if you're interested in sticking with it make sure you follow us on social media uh, you can find us on twitter at character wonk you can go to couch warrior tv on youtube 
Thank you everyone so much for attending tonight and we will see you next time. Goodbye. See ya. Pretty much, you know, at this point, I'd drink antifreeze and I'd be Ooh, fine with it. I suggest not. Oh, what a buzz. Um, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of sour stuff do you put in it? Um, whatever comes out of that bottle. <laughs> Seagram's? See, Joe doesn't have to try to be cute. Yeah. It's natural. Ha, 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 ha.